So anyway, Mao didn't believe the starvation was his fault. Of course. Uh, he blamed the right-wingers in kulaks uh -huh. uh, and said they were hoarding grain. <laughs> uh, you know, because they're, they're all, clearly, look at them, they're fat as hell. Yeah. <laughs> they're eating all the grain. Okay. Uh, nope. <laughs> Welcome to We Talk About Dead People, a podcast where we pick two dead people and talk about their lives. I'm your host, Aaron C., and I'm here with my good friend and co-host, James D. Say hi, James. You know, true communism has never been tried, we uh, <laughs> so it's it's really unfair to judge it by uh, its so-called history. Uh, <laughs> we, well, that's a controversial statement. <laughs> Which is fine. <laughs> we hope to keep our listeners entertained and interested while we break down these characters from the odd and exciting family that is humanity. The way this works is that James and I will do our amateurish best to give a basic account of the major events in these people's lives and how they responded to them. We also hope to give a fairly accurate depiction of their individual character, which is harder to do, but we're going to try anyway. So, James, who do we have this week? We have Mao Zedong and Anton LaVey. Oh, that's quite a pair. How did we arrive at that decision? Uh, Scrabble? <laughs> <laughs> well, I say we just head straight down to the history lab and give these two dudes a run. Well, call me a pancake and slap my papoose. Let's go. <laughs> a Satanist and a communist. Which is worse than the other? Perhaps we will never know. One, an organist who started the Church of Satan and wrote a fake Bible. The other, possibly the most deadly man in human history next to Timur the Lame, and with a Wikipedia page that is as long as the Bible. In the battle for who can do the most handstands drunk, only one can come out the victor. So, James, tell me, if you had to describe the Church of Satan using an analogy, what uh -huh. would that analogy be? Well, I would say the Church of Satan. <laughs> Satan. S Satan? Yes, Satan. Emphasis on the S's because, you know, snakes. Mm. Yes. Yes. So the Church of Satan is to humanity as a hedgehog on a skateboard <laughs> is to the Pentagon. Yeah. <laughs> that's pretty good. It's true. See, it, yeah. Go ahead. Well, that yeah, that, that's it. So how would you describe it? Well, I'd describe the Church of Satan as being like... A half-baked fruitcake that your dear, dear grandmother made for you? You're kind of like, oh, thanks, okay, do I gotta eat this? I mean, fine, whatever, I try a little bit, but this isn't real fruitcake and you know it! This sounds like a personal story. It's, it's not. It's Is not. your grandma Satan? No, my grandma actually made excellent fruitcake. I don't oh. think I've ever had fruitcake that was that good. I don't think I've ever had fruitcake outside of that. It's delicious. I don't know what a fruitcake is. It's a cake with some fruit in it! Computer, please bring up Mao Zedong and Anton LaVey. So, Aaron, what is Mao Zedong best known for? Mao is best known for being a huge communist in China. Sweet! Yeah! That can't go wrong! No! <laughs> okay! Definitely not! Not- definitely not today, either! <laughs> There's nothing wrong with China right now! No. 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 Uh, Except so, they don't listen to our <laughs> podcast. That's true. We haven't had China yet. No, yeah. they probably mm. they probably won't like it. <laughs> I get the sense. Yeah. 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 Speaking of not liking it, what did Mao look like? Well, he looks like he ate all the food that his people didn't, <laughs> which is to say, all the food in China. Oh no. Uh, he's kind of like that jerk who'll just eat off your plate without asking and then commit genocide right after to help his stomach settle. Oh god. Also, his hair—what's left of it anyway—is just ridiculous and. And he's 
smirking. He's uh-huh. smirking all the time, and he's probably eating your egg rolls right now. Oh, jeez. Uh, okay. <laughs> so, what is Anton LaVey best known well, for, Well, Anton LaVey is best known for founding the modern-day Church of Satan and the religion of LaVeyan Satanism. That's an interesting claim to fame. It is. Yeah. yeah. So what did this man look like? Well, he looks like a bald man with a goatee and with eyes that basically say, Why the hell did you steal my yogurt? I'm going to kill you for that. Perfect. I think that's a really good description, actually. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, so how about we just roll right over into Mao Zedong's early life? That's risky. I know. But I say we do it. I say we do it. The people gotta know. They do. Yeah, yeah. So tell me about Mao Zedong's early life. Well... First of all, contrary to common American beliefs, Mao Zedong actually existed and did things. Funny enough, since we're on this, Pol Pot existed too. I know. Crazy, right? It's like Americans have a collectively bad memory. Weird. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, so Mao Zedong, who definitely existed and definitely happened, was born the day after Christmas, 1893, in a village called Shaoshan in the Hunan, I think it's Hunan, but again, sure. we're Americans, we can't pronounce shit. No. So, it's in the Hunan pro- province in China, which, if you don't know, is in the southeastern, south-central part of China. Cool. Just so you can envision it. And speaking of envisioning, envision a rural Chinese village occupied by one of the richest farmers in town, and that's Mao's early childhood. Okay. So, Mao described his bo- his father, also named Mao, hmm. later in life as a very strict person, and he said that he would uh, beat all his kids for minor rule infractions. Oh, God. His mom was a devout Buddhist who did her best to keep old dad from flying off the handle so much. Good. Uh, Mao had three siblings. Uh, Zemin, Zatan, and Zijian. Uh, so the letter Z is, is big here. I don't know. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> so you've got this fairly average-sized family that's the wealthiest in the village. Ooh. Uh, things are pretty good for little Mao at this point, uh, but he would later, uh, later write that his this apparent stability could not make up for the resentment he held for his father's excessive discipline and old-fashioned views on the world. Fair enough, I you guess. Know, you know. So at a young age, Mao became a Buddhist, okay. which is weird. Uh, and then he started staying up late watching Richard Dawkins on YouTube, and the next thing you know, he's boycotting Chick-fil-A. Which is oh. to say he became an atheist. <laughs> oh, okay, right, right, So right. Mao started school. Uh, he learned all about Confucianism, which, if you don't know, is like the background for most of Chinese history, despite right. what Mao would have you believe. Yes. Uh, he didn't like that very much, to say the least, uh, except he knew that he could win arguments by quoting Confucius, so he learned all of it. Um, that sounds like Jesus. Y- y- yeah. <laughs> uh, so he preferred reading pop fiction. Mm. Which is kind of interesting, I guess. Uh, he also developed a strong belief in the importance of justice and allegedly started sharing half his lunch with a poor kid who couldn't afford food. Oh, good good for him! Yeah, yeah. right, right. So once uh, he made a teacher so mad that he was marched into the woods and just left uh, there? What? He what? was out there for three days <laughs> before someone found what? him and brought him home. Um... Hmm. Yeah. We need more of that in our school <laughs> systems. Kids these days so undisciplined. Just look at the millennials. Yeah, no, seriously, look sure. at the millennials. <laughs> uh, so the goal of Mao's schooling was to get him educated enough to earn an apprenticeship as a uh, with a rice merchant. Okay. Uh, this goal ended up not being met. Mao got in trouble with his old dad a few more times for staying up late reading by candlelight, and he saw his dad saw reading as a waste of time. Well, sure. Uh, which you know is dumb. Read books, everybody. <laughs> it's good for you. Yes. Uh, yeah. Anyway, what was Mao reading? You. I didn't ask. Well, he was reading a book called Words of Warning to an Affluent Age, uh, which was a book that basically said China was just getting weaker and weaker under its current current monarchy and should abandon this form of government and pursue representative democracies because it really seemed to be working in the West. 
Yeah, you know, two world wars later. Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> sure. I, yeah, I, I mean, for some reason, democratic countries just seem to do rather well. Well, and I know we covered this in one of our earlier uh, episodes, but the cyclical systems of oh, yeah, governments the in China. Cycle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Where uh, things just go bad all uh, over and over and over again, and the monarchs are a lot to blame for yeah, that. So it makes sense. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. But anyway, so he's like looking at this, and he's going, my, my country's super poor. I'm looking sure. over at America. What are they doing right? Or England, what are they doing right? And that sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, and so that's, that's where he was politically at 13. <laughs> <laughs> so at 13... <laughs> Mao got married. <laughs> yeah. To a 17 <laughs> year old named Luo. Oh. Uh, and I don't know if that's pronounced Lu, it might be. I don't uh, know. It was an arranged marriage, of course, and Mao detested He's it. He's 13. I know. Uh, he refused to recognize her as a wife and moved away for a while. Okay. Uh, of course, this was bad for Lu. Uh, she was shamed and rejected by her village. Oh, oh. Why? I don't know, but she died like five years later, so Oh my gosh, that. that's so sad. I know. Uh, yeah, societal rejection. That can that can play hell on your health. That's don't marry a 13-year-old, I think, is the moral. Yeah, that, that's definitely at least one of the morals. <laughs> so, Mao was still working on his father's farm and continued to read as much as he could. He read about George Washington and Napoleon and admired their nationalistic attitudes and ability to organize a military. Okay. Around this time, there was a famine in the capital city of Changsha. I think that's how you pronounce it. I'm probably fucking it up. Sorry. Uh, but uh, Changsha was... I'm so, Fuck. All right. So, there was a famine in the capital city of Changsha, mm -hmm. which spread to Mao's family farm. Ooh. All right. Peasants started stealing food from Mao's father. Uh, Mao's father didn't like this, and neither did Mao. But Mao expressed sympathy for the peasants. Okay. Well. Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. I yeah. get it. Shortly after this, at age 16, Mao moved to Dongshan to essentially go to high school. Okay. Here he was bullied for being a peasant. Oh. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> that won't matter in the future at all. Oh no. Good work, bullies. Oh no. Uh, anyway, he switched schools and started attending in Changsha. Uh -huh. uh, here. Uh, there was a strong revolutionary attitude among the citizens, which Mao found himself sympathizing with. Uh -huh. uh, people were really getting tired of the absolute monarchy and wanted to instate a republic in China. Okay. Interestingly Good. enough, the person calling for this republic was a Christian uh, who was educated in America named Sun Yat-sen. Interesting. Uh, when Mao demanded to be made the new Chinese president... Oh, uh, wait, what? Oh, sorry. Who Mao demanded to oh. be the new Chinese president uh, when he started writing for the school paper. Okay, so, so he wants this Christian guy right. in, in lead. Which, again, if you know anything about Mao, that's really strange. Okay, yeah. sounds good. Well, yeah. I'm a little confused, but I think this will make sense later. Oh, okay. You're good. So, no, it's, you're, it's, some, no, no, no. it's my fault, not your fault. Okay, you're right, you're dumb. Yes. <laughs> well, I'm done too, so there you go. Can't even say dumb right, I said I'm done. <laughs> Jesus. All right. Okay, so Mao's starting to get pretty passionate about politics, right. as you can see. In an act of rebellion, he cuts his hair. Uh, okay. Now, this may seem like a small thing, right? But it's not a small thing. Not at all. Huh. Uh, Chinese men of this era were required to sport a certain hairstyle to symbolize subservience to the monarchy. Oh, interesting. And it seemed like it was intentionally stupid looking, like to make them feel lesser. Huh. Yeah. So, I mean, or maybe that's just me, you know, not understanding the culture at all. Yeah, no... I have to I have to ask this for my fellow balding men. But if you were bald, what what happened? Uh execution? <laughs> well, the, the hairstyle was like almost bald anyway. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, it was, it, it yeah, was like the, the ponytail. The ponytail. One. Yeah, yeah. Kind of, a little bit like a top knot, but not exactly. Perfect. Like, like two Bring little it back. top knots on the side. <laughs> uh but anyway, so 
with all this going on, next mm-hmm. thing you know, there's a full-blown revolution called in the Shin uh, called the Shinhai Revolution. Okay. Uh, long story short, Changsha Mao's current city immediately becomes a hot spot for Republican activity. Mm. So now they're in full rebellion against the monarchy. Mao joins the revolutionaries as a soldier, but doesn't actually get to fight. Oh. Uh, fearing a complete civil war, the monarchist general Yuan Shikai. Uh, made a compromise with the rebels. Ooh. Uh, the monarchy would be abolished and a republic, uh, republic would be established in China. Cool. Uh, but Shikai would get to be president. So not um, yet, not Sun Yat-sen, okay. the, the, Christian the Christian guy. Christian guy, yeah. Um, so the war is over! Yes. Mao resigns his position as a soldier and discovers socialism. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, Fun. We'll see how that goes. Uh, yeah. So in the years following the Xinhai Revolution, Mao went to a police academy, which he didn't finish, uh-huh. a soap production school, okay. law school, economic school, and another middle school? Uh, uh, the, thing, okay. the thing he did the most, though, was read great, great books. And right. I don't mean good books. I mean great books. Well-known books. Books that shaped our civilization into what it is today. He read Darwin, Mill, Rousseau, Spencer, Montesquieu, and Smith. In his own writings, he began describing himself as an intellectual and thought himself higher than the working class. Oh, okay. In his diary. (laughs) Which, hilarious for what's coming up later, I think. Oh, no. So, uh, he believes strongly in the statement, quote, the end justifies the means. Hooray, that's fun. Uh So if you're hungry, rob a store. It's the same thing, morally speaking, as buying it after it all. (laughs) Okay, sure. (laughs) Anyway. So, I'm not advocating for robbery. Please do not rob stores. That is bad for you and for the store owners. Yes. So anyway, Mao's dad cuts off whatever financial support he was sending to him because he thinks he's wasting his time doing all this reading. Sure. Uh, So he has to move into a hostel. Okay. Uh, But it's not all bad. Uh, He now knows he wants to become a teacher and joins the best school in Hunan to learn how. Cool. Here he met a professor named Yang Changji who gave him a radical newspaper called New Youth, which was packed with Marxism. (gasps) Hooray! This won't end badly. So Mao really digs this magazine and starts writing for it. Okay. His first article is basically a fitness guide (laughs) uh, aiming at getting the working class buffed up for the inevitable revolution. Cool. He's also busy causing a ruckus in his own school by organizing protests against school rules. Okay, I'm next, on board. Next thing you know, uh, this young self-described intellectual student influenced heavily by Marxist thought is blasting air horns, chanting brainless slogans, and harassing people who just want to go to fucking class, <laughs> goddammit. Uh, of course, at the same time, he's penniless, literally begging the streets for food on a daily basis. This is the picture of communists. The, the, this is the <laughs> classic picture. Uh, so anyway, he graduated in 1919. He's 26, and we're going to leave him here. And when we come back, we're going to be stuck with him for a long, long, Time. Okay. Yeah, it's the most I've written for anybody. So I just want to say real quick. Yes. Is so far for our listeners, you've probably well, we're not very political on this show. No. We don't like taking sides, and we're not going to tell you who we voted for in 2016. But you know. <laughs> you know who we voted for. <laughs> what? <laughs> Gary <Okay>. Johnson. <laughs> just because Aleppo never never mind. Okay. Okay. What are you trying to so, James, tell us a little something about Anton LaVey's early life. Okay, so Anton LaVey was born on April 11th, 1930, in none other than our Chicago, Illinois. Fuck this city. <laughs> uh, so, Anton LaVey claimed his birth name was Anton Cezandor LaVey. Uh-huh. But his birth certificate shows that his real name was actually Howard Stanton LaVey. <laughs> so, we are lying right off the bat. Great! And it's here that I should put my disclaimer. Another one? Yes. Okay. Uh, so like L. Ron Hubbard, Anton made a lot of claims about his life that most everybody else disagree with. 
Uh, so I'm gonna do my best to show both claims, and to be honest, let's look at this for a minute. Okay. Uh, Anton claimed his best- his for nah. Anton claimed his birth name was Anton LaVey, while his birth certificate says it's Howard LaVey. So we have the word of the founder of the Church of Satan versus the word of Cook County, Illinois, which we usually call Crook County here. <laughs> so who knows, I couldn't really tell you which side is lying. Anyway. Uh, okay. <laughs> so Anton is in Chicago, Illinois, which is not good. <laughs> However, he wasn't here long, which is good. Oh. But then his family moved to California, which is not good. <laughs> and as the Church of Satan's website puts it, California is that westernmost gathering place for the brightest and darkest manifestations of the American dream. Oh, okay. Okay, so now Anton's mom was of Ukrainian and Russian heritage. All right. So growing up, Anton loved listening to his grandmother tell about the old Eastern European pagan and supersti superstitious practices. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, he also became really interested in the abnormal at a young age, and he enjoyed reading such books as Dracula, Frankenstein, and all sorts of pulp magazines. Fun! So little Anton was also interested in books on magic, but remember, kids, that this was before the days of the all-holy internet, so instructions on magic rit rituals were hard to come by. Uh, in other words, Anton didn't have a favorite ghost-summoning step-by-step Tumblr page. Ah, darn. Yes. Mm. So, as a boy, Anton also showed a great deal of interest in music and playing instruments. And he was actually very skilled with music, uh, although that is debatable. We have listened to some of his stuff. <laughs> That's true. Uh, we didn't really like it, but nope. who knows. Anyway, his, his parents encouraged him to pursue music. And his favorite instrument was the keyboards, and he was so skilled that he would often be able to reproduce songs after only hearing them once. Wow. And Anton's love for music also made him interested in seeing how different musical chords could manipulate people's emotions. Huh. And that will come into play later. Huh. So we have this little emo boy who loves dark <laughs> literature, Eastern superstition, and musical manipulation. Yeah. This tells us two things. Okay. Number one, the movie Ice Age is an unappreciated gem. True. And number two... <laughs> Just kidding. I hate that movie. <laughs> and number two, Anton probably wasn't well-liked in school. And he wasn't. Right. Uh, so Anton absolutely hated gym class and any sort of team sports, and did everything he could to not be a mindless sports jock. He often skipped class to do th such things uh, as read books or watch movies, and this didn't really help with his social standing. Uh-huh. And so at the age of 16, Anton dropped out of high school and joined a circus. <laughs> Really? Except maybe he never joined a circus. What? <laughs> uh, so this turns out that it's another one of those cases where there are different, di differing opinions on what he did. Anton himself claimed that he worked for circuses and carnivals at this point. Uh, he said he worked as a cage boy taking care of all the big cats, which is just liger ligers. Ligers? <laughs> Tigers and lions. Bears? And things like that. Oh my. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Anyway, there's some disagreement. As <laughs> you just reminded me of something. What? <laughs> oh, I saw this ridiculous lecture. That, and I made a video for it. I was, I was working. Uh-huh. Um... It had the stupidest name I've ever heard. It was <laughs> Lions and Tigers and Microaggressions. Oh my. <laughs> oh my god. It was hilarious. I want to die. It wasn't it wasn't all stupid. I mean, I think sure. that, that whole thing is subject to debate to say yeah, the least. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But and the, the speaker was really charismatic and she ran a really cool experiment in front of everyone. But the title, I was laughing my ass. Yeah, off. that's that's pretty bad. Okay, yeah. so there's tigers and whatever at the whatever. circus. Yes. So it's a cage uh, boy. Yes. 
Um, but there is some disagreement as to whether or not Anton really worked at circuses. Uh, journalist Lawrence Wright did some investigating stuff into Anton's life and didn't find any evidence that this happened. Ah! So who knows? Okay. But one <laughs> thing that Anton did do was play the keyboards or organs in various bars, lounges, and nightclubs in the area. Wait, b bars have organs? Oh, well, I guess at this time, <laughs> I'm more like keyboards, I okay, think. Sure. Like, think of the Wild West and the saloons. Sure, sure, sure. <laughs> anyway, uh, churches also sometimes hired him because of his skill with the organ. Interesting. And this leads to an interesting epiphany in Anton's life. Ah! Saturday nights, Anton would often be employed to play music at various bars and nightclubs and strip clubs, like I said earlier. Okay. And on Sunday mornings, he would be playing all sorts of Christian hymns for churches. Aww. And Anton began noticing that many of the men whom he saw womanizing and drinking on Saturday nights, he would often see all dressed up and worshipping at church on Sunday mornings. Ah. And this helped begin Anton's deep disgust with Christian hypocrisy, which will definitely come up later. I mean, this guy started the, the Church of Satan, yeah. so he can't be too fond of Christianity. Yeah, okay. Uh, then Anton had an affair with Marilyn Monroe. What? <laughs> or so he claims. Uh, okay. Uh, yeah, so Anton said he slept with her before she became famous. Yeah, sure. But again, there's she a lot... goes to another school. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, again, there's a lot of disagreement here. People who knew Marilyn Monroe at this time all deny it happened. Yes. And speaking of disagreement, let's talk about some more disagreements. Let's do it! So Anton claims that after playing the keyboards for a while, he eventually moved to San Francisco and became a photographer and psychic investigator for the San Francisco Police Department. Nice! Uh, but it seems quite a few later biographers of Anton's life have their doubts about this because the San Francisco PD have no records of Anton's <laughs> employment. <laughs> okay. Anyway, so life goes on and it... Oh, oh wait. What? Uh, oh no! What? Aaron, do you know what time it is? No! D it's time for the Korean War! <laughs> and Anton decides to avoid the draft by studying criminology at the San Francisco City College, which actually probably never happened because the college has no records of him! <laughs> Who is this man? I don't know. <laughs> So, then in the year 1915, Anton met a lady named Carol Lansing, and the two got married and had a baby girl named Carla LeVay. Okay. Uh, but don't become too enamored with Carol Lansing because, oh, after only a few years, Anton fell in love with another lady named Diane Hegarty, oh, Hegarty something Hegarty? like that. I don't know. Uh, so Anton and Carol divorced in 1960, and Diane became Anton's companion, oh. although the two never officially married. When you say companion, I just think of a couple of people like holding hands and going on a journey. <laughs> well, kind of. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Anyway, so these two, they had a they had another daughter named Zena Shrek LeVay. And since most of these people are still Shrek. alive, <laughs> uh, that most of these people are still alive, so I'm going to veer away from their lives because we don't want to get sued. Yay! Anyway, after being his companion for 25 <laughs> years, Diane left him and sued him for palimony, uh, but this was settled out of court. Palimony? Yes. Is that a real word? I wrote it down, didn't look it up, though. Oh, okay. I'm gonna look it up. Palimony. Tell us a story, James, while I Google this. Well, one time I was building a fence for my uncle, <laughs> and this uh, oxen ran into it, and I fell off and split my head open, uh, and had to put it back together with duct tape and a stapler. <laughs> so that's why you're balding. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> okay, palimony is actually a real thing. Is it? Uh, it's compensation made by one member of an unmarried couple to the other after separation. So it's oh. like alimony, but for not married people. Okay. Interesting. There you go. Okay. 
Anyway, so uh, this has kind of been all over the place, but just to summarize, it's uh, it's the late 1950s or early 1960s, and Anton is very interested in the paranormal, cults, magic, and rituals, and when we return to his adult life, we will see where all this goes. How very interesting. I wonder if any of it's true. Well, some, maybe. <laughs> so there's shreds of truth. Yeah. Yes. So what do you think? Should we take a break, or should we just go right into Mao? Let's take a break. Okay. Do you want to play some poker? Uh, who are we poking? I don't like poking her. Oh, God. Welcome back to We Talk About Dead People. And when we left off, we were talking about Anton LaVey and how very fake he was. Well, we don't know. We don't know. That's, right. Yeah, Possibly fake he was. Sure. Um, now we're going to be moving into Mao Zedong's adult life. And I think I need to make a disclaimer because I am... He's a controversial figure, to say the least. Sure. So what I would like to say is, this is just what I researched. Okay? Okay. That's it. Great. I'm not saying anything <laughs> except for the history. Sure. All right. Let's so, begin. So, uh, Mao Zedong's adult life. Hmm. When we left old Mao, he was a 20-something student who was spending his time protesting and writing for a Marxist magazine in Changsha. So he's got this mentor named Yang Changji. Uh, who just got a job at Peking University in Beijing, and Yang gets Mao a job as a library assistant. Okay. Meanwhile, the Russian Revolution is occurring. Oh. And if you want to hear more about that, check out our Trotsky episode. Oh, uh, yes. Yeah, and we'll be back to that. Trust me. So, uh, anyway, inspired by Lenin, which is a hilarious thing to say, <laughs> uh, Mao started reading the good old Karl Marx as much as possible. Hmm. Yeah. His transition from a self-described intellectual to a Marxist ideologue was described as rapid. Okay. So he, like, really went into it hard and fast, you know? Uh, yeah. yeah. I didn't mean it like that. But for real, though, <laughs> yes. like, he was reading everything he could. And I've done that with authors before, and I, I get it. Sure. I'm saying. Yeah. So, uh, anyway, so in 1915, the president of the New Republic in China, remember Shikai, the monarchist general yes. who was put into power as a compromise for being, you know, for the founding of said republic? Yes. Uh, well, he declared himself emperor. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so China's back square one with the whole political upheaval thing. Uh, and then Shikai has the nerve to just go die a year later and leave a gigantic power oh, vacuum. No. Finishing it off, uh, whatever was frag... Uh, whatever fragmented shell of a republic had been built up during his time right. as president. Yeah. So, four years later, in 1919, student protests are getting out of hand in Beijing. Uh, now, they're basically upset because the government is weak. Sure. They also have a real problem with tradition and Confucian values, which, what, you know, whatever. Sure. The movement known as the May the Fourth Movement believed that science and democracy were the only way forward. Okay. Now, this whole thing is complicated as hell, as these things are. So, I hope you'll forgive me for simplifying it a little bit. Not at all. Okay. Basically, what precluded this movement is this. China was weak throughout World War One, and a Japanese invasion was a very real, very scary threat. Yeah. Because Japan <laughs> was colonizing at this time. They were sure. sending out their, you know. Um, so anyway, Japan was also screwing China economically, basically mm. holding a gun to the country's head and forcing them to accept what was called the 21 Demands. Hmm. And that's in all caps, the 21 Demands. Uh, and China, being weak, gave the Japanese pretty much anything they wanted. And this, huh. on top of pol complete political upheaval, the collapse of the Republic, and all that other bullshit. So, uh, the hmm. students who were protesting this claim that the reason China was getting so thoroughly fucked over was because the culture was backwards. 
Huh. Yeah. 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 Sounds a little familiar. Mm -hmm. Uh, So they blame tradition and old people (laughs) and all the other usual suspects for the current state of China. Now, they may have a point, and this kind of reminds me of that dynastic cycle we talked about. Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, That was in the Wenzhou episode, everybody. That's right. That's a good one. Okay. Uh, You could say that China, at this point, has lost the mandate of heaven, and it's time for a revolution. Sure. At least that's the general feeling on the ground. Right. So, Mao was teaching teaching history at a primary school at this (laughs) point. point, but was moonlighting as a protest organizer. Mm. He also founded a student organization called the Hunanese Student Association and immediately rallies them all to go on strike. Okay. He starts a weekly radical magazine, the Shang River Review. These two things put together uh... (laughs) Sorry. Time for a revolution. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) These two things put together uh, get the student association banned. Ah, not good. Yeah. So at this point, Mao had been reading a lot of Marx, but he hadn't read the big one. The Ooh. Communist Manifesto, oh. the Mein Kampf of the Communist Movement. It's the piece of literature that put things like, like made things happen, right? Right, yes. Um, it was just translated into Chinese. Ah, and okay. he got it. So uh, he ate it up. Sure. And after this, Mao went to Shanghai and worked as a launderer, uh-huh. uh, which humble beginnings. You know, yeah. Remember, he's in his 20s right now. Um, probably get into his 30s. Uh, here he met uh, an old teacher of his, Yi Peiji, who was a revolutionary and was friends with a general named Tan Yangkai. Okay. All right. I know the names. are getting hard. Sure. Well, we're Western fucks. Yeah. So. <laughs> so Mao learned that Tan, the general, had uh-huh. decided to overthrow the governor of the region, Shang Jingyao. Okay. And we'll call him Shang, and I'll remind you who he is. Okay. He's the governor. Yes. Uh, and decided he wanted to support him by organizing his student supporters into something like riot gangs. Ugh. Yeah, so Tan, uh, the um, the uh, general, mm-hmm. uh, went to Changsha, and Shang, the governor, got the hell out of there. Got it. Okay. Right. So Mao was appointed headmaster of a school, and went from being a launderer to a well-paid and well-respected administrator. Okay, good. In 1920, he got married to a, a woman named Yang Kai Hui. Kai Hui, I think okay. that's it. So in 1921, the Communist Party of China was founded in Shanghai. Hmm. Uh, Mao established a party center in Changsha and also started the Socialist Youth Corps, uh, which basically was a club for socialists. Mm-hmm. Uh, he opened a bookstore as well, but it only sold literature that encouraged revolutions because, you know, uh, of course. Uh-huh. <laughs> Little Marxist groups were scattered all over the place at this point, and they all united to form the first National Congress of the Communist Party of China to talk about communist things. Cool. They discovered there was a spy in their midst at one point, so they picked everything up and moved out to a boat to talk in secret. (laughs) Soviet (laughs) delegates were there straight from Mother Russia to help these support these upstarts. Cool. Uh, Interestingly enough, though, the communists in China didn't want Russian help in the revolution. They believe very strongly, based on their Marxist ideology, Sure. they believe very strongly that only the proletariat can lead the revolution. They believe this on principle. Well, I kind of like that, actually. Yeah, well, it's it's at least a principle. Yeah. So, like, that your workers have to be the one. You know, they can't. Sure. They they don't need help from the outside. In fact, it'd be like morally uh, bad, bad <laughs> to have help from the outside, according to Marxist ideas. Yeah. Well, in any time in history, when another country is trying to help you out, it's usually because they want to fuck you. Yeah. 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 Anyway. So anyway, Mao made. Uh, Mao was made Mao made Mao was made party secretary for the Communist Party in Hunan. Uh, his first movements, uh, first moves in 1921 were carefully made in order to expand the party as rapidly as possible. Makes sense. Uh, so he opened the Self Study University, which was a huge library uh-huh. that only contained revolutionary literature. Uh. Yeah. Then so, <laughs> he joined the YMCA. <laughs> Uh, specifically the mass education movement purportedly to fight illiteracy. Mm-hmm. Uh, he basically did all he did... Uh, well, I should say, basically all he did was... Uh, 
did there was teach people to read. That's good. Which is good. Yes. Uh, but he only let them read communist things. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> so not exactly fair and balanced. No. <laughs> um, so he also added textbooks to add racist things to them. Uh, why? <laughs> I don't okay. know. I don't know. Uh, I don't know, except it'll come up later in the Cultural Revolution oh when we get there. Sure. Yeah. So he set up more strikes and caused more trouble all over the place. Uh-huh. Uh, Mao then missed the Second Congress of the Communist Party in Shanghai because he said he lost the address. Okay. At this party, or at this party, at this co- uh, Congress, the Communist Party formed an alliance with the right-wing nationalistic KMT. Whoa! Yeah, uh, at least they did so on the surface, but it turns out that they did it to embed some of their own communists into the KMT and turn it into another leftist party. Uh, oh, <laughs> that yeah. sounds more right. That yeah. sounds, yeah, that sounds... Or right. less right. <laughs> <laughs> yes, less right, hmm. yeah. So in 1920, and that sounds like Russia, so there you go. Yeah. In 1924, Mao noticed that some peasants had risen up and taken the land from their wealthy landowners in order to run the whole thing, in, or run the whole thing as a commune. Okay. Yeah, so this convinced him even more strongly that the peasants was going to be the key to taking down the... It kind of keeps on going back to that. Yeah, so he started the uh, Peasant Movement Training Institute, which did Hmm. two things. Uh, One, it trained peasants how to fight. Okay. And two, it indoctrinated them with Marxist ideology. Uh Uh-huh. Right, so, and remember, (laughs) these are illiterate peasants. Sure. This this is the first they're being told and and that sort of thing, so... Hmm. um, Easy targets, what I'm saying, if if you want recruits. Yeah. Uh, sort of like college students in, in Russia. Uh, yeah, yeah, just go after them. So in 1925, the then party leader of the KMT, remember the nationalists? The national, yep. Yeah, uh, died and was replaced by a guy named Chiang Kai-shek. Okay. Uh, who deserves his own episode. We'll do it. <laughs> so now Kai- Kai-shek uh, is a right-wing nationalist, and he's not a big fan of communism. Makes sense. Yeah. However, Mao supported him. Mainly because he was also trying to arm and train the peasantry for a revolution. They were both doing this. Yeah. Right, so you got the right-wing training peasants and you got the left-wing training peasants. Wow. Uh, And I want you to notice this because it's goddamn interesting, and I think you ought to think about it pretty hard. (laughs) Yeah. You've got the far left and the far right who hate each other on principle, working together to build an army to take power in China. Uh That's like the neo-Nazis and Antifa joining forces (laughs) to take over DC. Yeah. That's the horseshoe effect. Yeah, Yeah. weird. If you don't know about the horseshoe effect, everybody look it up. Don't be kicked by a horse, don't basically. Get, don't get kicked by a horse. So like Kai-shek, this nationalistic leader, yes. uh, trained his peasants and sent them north, where they took on a band of warlords that were ruling there. Now, remember sure. Chinese history. It was basically warlords and some kind of empire. And then something about a wall. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So that's the whole thing, but we'll never get through it if I stop for everything. Okay. Uh, basically, Kai-shek orders his nationalist troops to massacre whatever communists they found. Oh. A few hundred communists were killed. The peasants won, murdered the landowners, and started dividing up the spoils. Huh. Yeah. So the next thing Mao does is also pretty bad. He sets up the regulations for the repression of local bullies and bad gentry. (laughs) What's that? I don't know. Oh, you know, it's a political tool that literally allows the state to murder anyone they deem a, quote, bully. Sounds like the Patriot Act. (laughs) And And who is a bully? Anyone who's successful. Yay! Okay. It's the USSR and Ukraine all over again. In case you don't know what happened there, uh, in the early days of the Russian Revolution, the communists rounded up this group of people called the Kulaks. Yes. And when I say group, I mean six million fucking people. Oh, jeez. These people were the most successful farmers around, uh, and that got them branded as oppressors. That's pretty... Oh, no. That's actually really common. This is... This story isn't isolated. Okay. Um, So even though they were literally feeding half of Russia... 
Right, because it's the Ukraine, and the Ukraine is the, the breadbasket of right, Eastern Europe. Right, right, yeah. So, uh, in a self-righteous rage, the communists robbed the kulaks of their land and all their food, killed a lot of them, and those they didn't kill, uh, they intentionally starved to death. Uh, how? Well, if you went looking for food or tried to grow anything else, they shot you for being an enemy of the party. What the fuck? How fun! <laughs> Six million people, oh. everybody! Go look it up! Oh, gosh. Yeah, <laughs> I know, I know. Yeah. Yeah, I remember hearing about that for the first time in history class and being like, how have I never heard this? Right. Yeah. Like when it when it came up, it like it popped up on my radar, and I was like, "Holy shit!" It's sort of like the rape of Nan King, which we'll get to yeah, later. Yeah. Like sure. that one, you know, you hear it, and you're like, "Oh, that must have been pretty terrible." No. Oh my god, it was. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think so much, especially. I mean, we're both of European heritage, living in America. Like, we only hear European history, yeah. that's the point. Yeah, we, it's almost like we don't care at all, or can't find anything useful elsewhere. But Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, anyway, that's why I'm glad we're doing Mao. Yes. Uh, so, anyway, Mao's uh, now instated a set of laws that allows uh, reckless and arbitrary murder at the state level. Good! <laughs> These regulations allow the state to seize whatever land they want, provided that the, long, uh, the land belongs to a bully. Mm. Which, what the fuck? It's such a hazy and, well... Useful <laughs> word if you're yeah. a communist. You're a bully. Bang. Yes. So well, it's like George W. Bush and the terrorists. Yeah. Well, it's a word. Yes. I mean, it's, you yeah. got to define it better than that. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, Mao decided that 13% of the population was made up of bullies. <laughs> and bullies oh. were literally people who owned more than four and a half acres of land. That's not a lot of That's land. That's nothing. That's <laughs> no. like a corner. Yeah. Um, so there's all that nonsense. Yes. Now, remember Kai Shek, the nationalist who just exterminated a whole bunch of communists during his northern expedition? Yeah. Well, now he's coming for the rest of them. <laughs> uh, he enacts the White Terror. Yes, that's right. There's another White Terror. Oh. And if you listen to the Trotsky episode, you'll know that the, when the Tsarists were being pushed out uh, by the communists in Russia, they instituted the White Terror, which basically allowed a genocide against communists. Yeah. Right. Not good. No. Anyway, so <laughs> this White Terror is only a little less terrifying than the Russian White Terror because it only killed 5,000 people as opposed to, you know, 300,000. Uh. Uh, but we're just getting started. Oh, no. The next May, another 15 to 25,000 communists are exterminated by the nationalists in the KMT. Okay, so I can, I'm can. i starting to see why uh, where a lot of this communist anger is Oh, yeah. From. No, I mean, it's the horseshoe effect. Yeah. Like I said, it's like the further right you get, the more like the far left you get. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that's just, that's that's a... And, and vice versa. Right, right, yeah. right. Um, so yeah, they're like they're like the perfect enemy, really, yeah. so to speak. Interesting. Um, which is so weird because, well, they have a complicated relationship. <laughs> uh, yeah. So now, now Kai-shek is marching his army on Nanchang, where Mao is hiding out with his communist buddies. Got it. And they know he's coming, so they organize a Chinese Red Army, eventually relabeled the People's Liberation Army, uh -huh. the PLA, to take stand against Kai-shek. And it doesn't work out so great. Oh, no. It's 1927, and the communists are ousted from Nanchang and are forced into the mountains in the west. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So after this event, Mao is made commander-in-chief of the Red Army uh, of China, uh -huh. uh, leading four regiments back to Changsha. He has a plan, which he lays out in a cute little poem. Oh. <laughs> Roses are red. Yeah. Violets are blue. Yeah. Anyway, he's... he's <laughs> Wait, finish that. I, I, I don't know. If you Most attack are... China, I'll exterminate you too. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. So anyway, he's got this plan. Yes. And the plan is is a three-pronged attack. Uh-huh. Three, for, uh, uh, he wants to bring in his regiments from three different directions. Got it. And hold a fourth regiment in reserve just in case things go wrong. Smart. However, the fourth regiment pulls a fast one on old Mao and betrays the cause, attacking the third regiment. Oh, okay. Yeah, so they went KMT all of a sudden. Yeah. 
So this effectively keeps Mao from taking Changsha and whittles his Red Army down to about a thousand soldiers. Yikes. Which is not a lot. No. Uh, after this, Mao is expelled from the Communist Central Committee for being too nice to the so-called bullies. Oh. Yeah. For real? <laughs> so he goes to the he goes to a Jingangshan city uh, where he starts a little communist cult between five villages. And hmm. I say cult because that's kind of what it was. Uh, the main Communist Party was out there being even more brutal than Mao. And yeah. Mao was like, we're going to just, like, have this nice little communism over here. So I, I use the word cult, not yeah. pejoratively. I just think sure. it's the right word. So he executes many of the landlords. <laughs> <laughs> or worse, sends them to re-education camps, oh, which no. you know are basically 1984-style brainwashing centers. Sure. Yeah. Now, it's worth noting that Mao was actually taking more lenient actions than the CPC, the Communist Party of China, in Shanghai. Remember, they threw him out for being too nice. Right. Uh, so Mao has a thousand soldiers in five villages at his disposal, and from these villages, he has, extracts 800 more volunteers for his army. Uh, so now he's got close to 2,000 troops. Uh, these cool. men are well-trained and had some ground rules for combat. Uh-huh. Uh, first, obey orders instantly or be shot. Well, uh-huh. All sure. War, yeah. All war spoils had to be turned over to the government. Um, which, okay, that's yeah. classic communism. And poor people were off limits for looting, which, okay, sure, right. Sure, uh, yeah. he's got to maintain order. Don't loot the poor people. Yeah. yeah. So, meanwhile, the KMT takes over Jingongshang, which, if you remember, was Mao's base of operations before he yeah. started working with these villages. Yeah. So, wandering about in the mountains, Mao and his little army run into a CPC regiment and manage to form an alliance with them. Interesting. Basically, there's a whole bunch of battles and shit, but in the end, Mao and his men retake Jingongshang, and reestablish their base there. Hooray! Yeah. So around this time, they ran out of food stolen from the successful farmers, and people started starving. Uh, oh, <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty much a hallmark of communist uprisings. <laughs> that's true. They take all the food, they kill all the farmers, they eat all the food, and then they get hungry. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, Mao and his buddy Shu decide to leave their base. Uh-huh. Uh huh. They divide up their army into tiny little groups and basically send them out on missions trips oh. <laughs> to get more recruits and that sort of thing. Oh, I see. Uh, see, Mao believed the uprising must be led by the peasants from the countryside. There it is again. And yeah. this was a slightly different doctrine, though, uh, from oh. his compatriots, who believed that it must be led by peasants from the city. Okay. Right? Like, they're arguing about this. Yeah. It's like a... That's an, I mean, apparently that's an important distinction, okay. according to sure. Marxist ideology, but I can't make hide nor hair of it. <laughs> it's like a schism in the church. Yeah. You know, like, no. oh, the, the blood is real, or the blood isn't real. Oh, we gotta have a... You know, a civil war. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so, like, the Soviets are liking this shit, by the way. Um, which is to say, like, um, wait, what? So, the Russians, who are Soviets at this time, sure, are liking all this, like, division and shit going on. Okay. Uh, and they decided to get involved with the Chinese Revolution by sending a committee called the 28 Bolsheviks. Oh, I've heard of this. Yeah, yeah. to take control of the Central Committee in China, which, if you'll remember, is not in complete agreement with Mao. Right. So Mao doesn't like this and establishes a new Soviet government in the South. So there are two Soviet governments? Yes. Or two communist governments? Yeah, two okay. communist governments warring, and, and one of them, they have slightly different views about who's going to, you know, have the uprising. Yeah. It's going to be the city dwellers or the, or the country folk. Okay. Um, so <clears throat> Mao doesn't like this, like I said. I'm yeah. I'm reading this line. Oh, I'm not reading. We don't have a script. <laughs> no, no. Uh, so around this time, uh, Mao's wife and sister were captured by KMT forces and were executed. Oh, God. By way of decapitation. Oh. Yeah. And those were the nationalists? Those were the nationalists. Okay. Yeah. So he didn't waste any time and got a new wife. Oh. Uh, an 18-year-old girl named He. Yay for him, I guess. Uh-huh. Uh, so this new government that Mao established 
Nihilus soon decides that Mao is too nice, which right. is hilarious. Yeah. Again, and if you're too nice, you're considered anti-revolutionary, uh -huh. not just, you know, a moderate. Yeah. Uh, this can be pretty familiar looking back from today's perspective, where even moderates nowadays are getting labeled by political opponents and yeah, whatnot. for sure. Um, not a new tactic. No. Uh, anyway, they try to overthrow Mao, and this results in what's called the Fuchin incident. I think it's Fuchin. Fuchin, Fuchin. Yeah, 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 yeah. Now, the Fuchin is a battalion in the Red Army, uh -huh. the Chinese Red Army. Okay. Uh, and they've decided they're not a big fan of Mao. Yes. So they surrender to the KMT. Huh. And Mao has them killed. Oh, Most gosh. of them. Oh, also tortured. Uh. About two to three thousand in modern estimates. People? Yeah. Oh, jeez. Yeah. Mao later regretted this, actually, and said the wrong people had been killed. Oh, well, sorry, Mondays, am I right? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. like, I guess I killed the wrong... <laughs> what? Uh-oh! You know, it's not well, like I have thousands of deaths on my hands. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So... Anyway, the KM2, KM2, KMT is doing a great job of crushing the Red Army at this point. Remember, they're trained soldiers, and the Red Army is made up of mostly peasants from the countryside. Yes. Uh, so they switch their tactics and start going guerrilla. The peasants do. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And they actually start winning All right. by doing this. So this clearly pisses off Kai-shek and the rest of the KMT, but he's dealing with two wars at this point. Uh, Japan was planning an invasion of oh. sorts. So Kai-shek is distracted, is what I'm saying. Yeah, we're getting into the 30s, aren't we? Yeah, while oh. all this was going on, the Red Army was still getting bigger. It reached three million soldiers <laughs> around 1931, which, like, whoa! Yeah! Uh, so meanwhile, Mao is busy seizing more land and building more indoctrination camps. Good. Because, you know, that's how he gets recruits. He just recruits illiterate peasants. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so he's also interested in getting women more involved in politics. Okay. Which, okay, yeah. Yeah. But, eh, just wait. Oh, oh Just no. wait. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, Kaishek does... Don't go David Berg on us here. Oh, I'm not going David Berg. Okay. Don't worry. Uh, Kaishek doesn't... I don't... What do you mean by that? Uh, the prostitution for Jesus thing? Oh, no, no. Okay. That, that's nowhere near that bad. Okay. <laughs> Pretty bad, though. Oh, dear. Uh, anyway, so Kaishek doesn't like any of this. So he basically surrounds the Maoist base of operations in concrete walls topped with barbed wire. Oh my god. Yeah, this happened. And that reminds me of uh, the Anabaptist takeover of Munster. Oh, they oh yeah. They basically couldn't take back the city, so they just built a giant wall around it and created, like, a kill zone. Jeez. And so everybody in the city, like, starved. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and... So he builds this wall around Maoist territory, mm -hmm. uh, and then he proceeded to bomb the shit out of it. Okay. Yeah. Oh, and by the way, uh, killing all the farmers is still not working out for the Maoists, yeah. so they start to starve again. Uh, but of course, Mao cares about his people, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So he organizes a new effort to increase industry and farming again uh, with this bombed out little world. Sure. He produces an effective plan for feeding all of his comrades because, again, he cares about his state. Right. Actually, I'm just fucking around. What you Mao abandoned the proletariat in uh, to starvation. He wait, literally wait. abandoned them and got out of the city. I am not making this up. What a fucker! <laughs> he just left them. Wow. I know. Okay. I know. So like that. That to me is like. Jesus, he didn't care about the people. Yeah, no, not at all. So anyway, there's three million of them. Yeah. Uh, so they have a chance, uh, after all. Uh, in 1934, they mustered their forces and basically forced their way out of the prison with, like, just solid brute force. Good. Uh, of course, it comes at a cost. Uh-huh. They have to leave behind anyone who's not fit for fighting. Oh, this includes starving people, wounded people, sick people, women, the elderly, and children. Oh, gosh. Kaishek immediately massacred all of them. Oh, God. All of the people in the city. And there was three million people in the city? Well, only 100,000 escaped. 
Oh, Jesus. So the nationalists are kind of bastards too, aren't yeah. they? Huh. So, Man, it's like if you take any philosophy to the extremes, bad things happen. Huh. What an odd thing to what say. What an odd thing. <laughs> so if you find yourself screaming at someone for some reason, examine yourself. Wonder, why am I angry? Is it right or is it wrong? Otherwise, you may become a communist who's murdering people <laughs> yeah. or a nationalist who's murdering women and children. Uh, what were you going to say? As some great philosopher once said, take the fascism out of your eye before you reach over and take the Marxism out of your neighbor's <laughs> eye. <laughs> That's in the Bible. Kind of. <laughs> Anyway, getting out uh, to fight the Japanese... Oh, I'm sorry. Shit. In 1935, Mao was elected chairman of the Politburo and leader of all the armies. Okay. Yeah. And yeah. Stalin liked this. Huh. Interesting. In the uh, yeah. So this is the mid-30s. Right. Yeah. Right. Uh, so Mao makes a tactical move and sends his armies to fight the invading Japanese forces in order to convince whatever people were not communists that the communists were fighting for the state while Kai-shek was busy fighting the communists. That's a good move. It's a brilliant move. Yeah. Um, just uh, so smart. Well, really. you're being invaded by the Japanese. you got to protect your own people. Or right. pretend and if, you are. And if Kai-shek's not doing that, and Mao steps in and says, Hey, look what I'm doing. Suddenly he's yeah. getting all the credit, and Kai-shek looks like a... Like a terrorist. Like a terrorist. Yeah. Or, or doesn't care about the people. Which is interesting, because he's a nationalist. Yeah. Um, so anyway. Interesting. Uh, getting out to fight the Japanese is not going to be a thing that Kai-shek is going to allow, though. Yes. Yeah, so the two face off at Tatu River and basically no one wins. Uh -huh. Mao heads north in order to escape encirclement by KMT forces. Uh, meanwhile, his soldiers are starving and dying. Oh, jeez. And I mean it went, uh, I mean it because they went from 100,000 soldiers to under 10,000 over the course of about a year. Wow. This was called the Long March. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Mao rode in a litter carried by peasants and spent his time reading while his servants carried him up and down the mountains. Many of these peasants died, but were quickly replaced. Also, Mao's <laughs> wife was injured by shrapnel and went to Moscow for treatment. And while she was gone, Mao married an actress. <laughs> <laughs> kind of a bastard, it looks like. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> no, maybe. Yeah. Come on, it's Mao. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, in 1936, Mao decided that it would be a good idea for the communists and the KMT to unite and take down the Japanese. Makes sense. Yeah, so they're uniting again. Yes. This radical left and radical right are coming they're together. They're both Chinese. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, so, <clears throat> Kai-shek didn't want to do it, though. Ugh. He wants to continue the Civil War and wipe out the Communists once and for all. Mm. But that doesn't happen! In 1937, he's arrested by his own general and forced to talk with the Communists. Wow. So they form what's called the United Front and go to fight the Japanese! Good! Oh, and by the way, do you know what time it is? Wh what? It's time for what? World War II! No. <laughs> so anyway, the Japanese have taken Shanghai and Nanking and have perpetrated the Nanking Massacre. Oh, jeez. Known usually as the rape of Nanking. Yeah. Now, if you want some nightmares, read about it. Estimates are all over the place, but it's clear that over 50,000 civilians were murdered, uh, maybe as many as 300,000. Oh, jeez. Uh, the Japanese at this point were actually having a contest amidst their ranks. Oh, no. You could win a bonus for killing 100 people with a katana. Oh, jeez. I know. So, the Nanking Massacre is probably one of the most appalling and shocking events, um of the 20th century. They were literally bayoneting babies, and that's not the worst of it. Uh, so if you think people are inherently good, go read that story <laughs> and think again! Yeah! <laughs> so anyway, this kind of brutality is excellent for convincing people to join your army. Yes. Yeah, so yes. the Red Army literally, and that's not even like propaganda. Like, you have photo. There was a guy who took video of it happening. 
uh, and and put it all over China. Yeah, that sort of thing. So people are seeing this happen. It's not even propaganda. Well, and real quick, I want to say, sure. Did this happen in 1933 or somewhere around there? I think. Yeah. Um, a lot of people think that World War II began in September 1st, 1939, when mm -hmm. Germany invaded Poland. But I think it's really fair to say that World War II began here. Really? With Japan's invasion of China. And I think more and more historians are, are starting to uphold that claim. Mm. Because, I mean, the Pacific Front is often, you know, overshadowed by the European theater. Yeah, it's not... And it's so much worse in, a, in many ways. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> so... Like I said, lots of recruits are coming in because they're just pissed off Makes at the sense. Japanese. Yeah. Uh, to their credit, they managed to stop the Japanese in their tracks in 1940. Nice. Preemptively aiding the Americans in their struggle against the Japanese in World War II. Huh. Yeah. So, there you go. Yeah. So, in 1944, the Americans were giving military assistance to Kai-shek and the KMT. The Nationalists. That's right. Fearing yes. a communist uprising in China. Sure. Which, because it's happening! Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, of course, the Soviets were supporting Mao and his guys. Sure. So, the civil war in China starts up again! Oh, no. In 1948, Mao besieged Chongchun and ended up starving 160,000 people to death. Okay. Uh, <laughs> a lieutenant colonel named Zhang Jinglu reported the casualties were about the same as Hiroshima. Hiroshima took nine seconds, Chongchun took five months. Well, that's horrifying. Uh, yeah, it takes longer to starve than it does to be vaporized wow. in nuclear fire. Fire. Yeah. So anyway, Kai-shek starts losing badly and in 1949 flees the country to go live in Taiwan. Yes. And that's the last we'll hear from him. Okay. He's gone. Yeah. So Mao Mu immediately moves to Beijing. They've won. The communists have won in China, right? Uh, yeah. So he moves to Beijing and is now in complete control of the Chinese government. Wow. He, did. he rules from an armchair, uh -huh. by which I mean he carried out most of his business from bed or at the side of a private pool he had built in his home at the expense of the Chinese people. Good. Uh, he's also busy with more land reform, which... <laughs> If you've, if you've read uh, any history, when somebody says land reform, like, the hair stands up on the back yeah, of your neck, you're yeah. like, oh, no. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, landlords and successful peasants are being beaten to death at official Communist Party events. Oh, God. Uh, the land that belonged to these successful people was immediately redistributed to poorer people. Uh-huh. Also, most of them were not farmers. Oh, jeez. Uh, so, Mao sent out secret police and what have you, to kill anyone who was with the KMT during the Civil War. Not hmm. so different from the Russian Revolution, where former czarists were hounded out and shot. Yeah. Uh, so this move killed about a million people. Oh, jeez. Uh, so there's that. Mao would personally se uh, select wealthy people to be publicly executed. And oh. believe me, these weren't just hangings or shootings. These people were tortured. For real. In public. So and they were tortured to death? Yes. In, oh, God. Yeah, I know. Just for being rich. For being rich, for being anti-revolutionary. Well, remember, if you're not harsh enough, you're considered anti-revolutionary. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, and, okay. and Mao's, you know, working at this with the CPC, and they're more brutal than he was even during the Civil War. Yeah. Um, so, anyway... There huh. you go. Okay. Uh, at the end of this, around 5 million people were executed for being counter-revolutionary. Uh, and between 4 to 6 million more died in reform labor camps. You never hear about this. Nope. 4 to 6 million people. Yeah. 4 to 6 million. We're looking at 10 million people just there. Yeah. That's crazy. That is... The that's the population of some countries. Of Norway and Denmark put together. Yeah, that's... Man. Wow. But anyway, so... Mao established uh, execution quotas. Oh, God. Yeah, so you have to find another a, a good number of counter-revolutionaries in order to not be executed. This yourself. sounds like Timur the Lame. Remember oh. his soldiers had to bring out, like, ten heads or whatever? Yeah, yeah, and if Jeez. they didn't, they were killed. That's the same yeah. thing. Um, again, not too different from the Soviet Union. Please go read about that if you want to have a good time. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, you will sh shudder. It's a party. Yeah. The it's Communist Party. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so in 1951, Mao, Mao, Mao started weeding out any counter-revolutionaries in the cities and the government. Uh -huh. uh, children were used as spies to report their parents for counter-revolutionary activity Ooh. or speech. And again, that could be anything. If yeah. you're considered a bully... I mean, like, yeah. for real, if you're considered a bully, which could be anything, and if you want it... Now, I've been doing some reading uh -huh. about the gulags. Oh, yeah. And one of the things that I went through that was listed in some of the literature I've been picking up is the things you could get arrested for. Oh, do tell. And they're so vague. Yeah? It's, it's amazing. <laughs> you can get arrested... Um, for saying anything that could be conceived to be anti-party. Oh, God. I mean, anything. And people were regularly picked up. Like, uh, there was a tank commander who mm. was picked up for, like, a letter he sent to his mom about Stalin. <laughs> like, they read it and arrested him. While he was fighting yeah. the Germans, <laughs> they arrested him and sent him to a gulag. Oh, my God. Yeah, so, like, this kind of hazy talk is, like, Really scary for me. Yeah, um, and it's really useful for them. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I mean, that's it's the same thing the Nazis did for sure. Yeah. I mean, they would they would like. I mean, it's so terrible to say. Like, I feel like an asshole for even telling it, for even saying it. But it happened. They had like papers describing how, like what person qualified as a Jew. Yeah. Like, and it would be based on, like, nose size, genetic makeup, last name. You could be, you could be completely yes. white. Yeah. And they could, they could get after you for being Jewish. It's ridiculous. Um, <sighs> but again, same thing. Two sides of the same coin. Yeah. For real. Anytime free speech is curtailed by these vague laws, I get scared. Yeah, and you should, because... Yeah. Look at this! <laughs> fucking ten million people died! And we've got pages left! I, many pages <laughs> oh, left! Oh, no. uh, so anyway, where were we? We were we were talking about he's going through the, the cities and government. Yeah, right? and... Children uh, being used as spies. Yes. Like 1984. Or Game of Thrones. Yes. yes. <laughs> so there were these things called struggle sessions. All uh -huh. caps, struggle sessions. Where alleged counter-revolutionaries will be brought out before a crowd and forced to admit their crimes against the state... While being tortured, oh, sometimes entire stadiums would fill up. Oh. Several hundred thousand people were killed this way. Jesus! I know. So, get this. People are getting kind of suicidal. <laughs> Suicide becomes a huge thing. Yeah. Uh, if someone was accused of being counter-revolutionary, they could be subject to torture or reform labor camps. Yeah. Without standing trial. Good. Uh, <laughs> not good. <laughs> no. Uh, so, if you got accused of this, the best thing to do is just off yourself instead of being castrated or having your teeth punched out. Oh, my God. Uh, in Shang... I mean, that's what they would fucking do. Yeah. Uh, go read about it. They did it in Russia, too. It's Jeez. great. The Russians would throw you in a box, like a coffin, filled with bed bugs, and leave you there for, like, three days. Oh, my God. No food, no water, just bed bugs. <laughs> oh. I, it's fucking awful. Yeah. Um, so, anyway, so, Shanghai, suicide was so prevalent that people avoided walking on the sidewalks. Because suicidals were commonly killing others on the ground by falling oh. on them. Oh my god! Yeah! I've never heard that before! No, no, I, it makes sense though! It does! I mean, it's better to kill yourself than be tortured, like you oh, said. Yeah, 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 no, there was, I was reading stories about this happened in Russia when they were trying to arrest some guy. He jumped off a bridge. Like, he, he started, he yeah. saw them coming, he ran and jumped off a bridge, didn't even die, just became a paraplegic, oh, and then he was geez. executed for being a paraplegic. Yeah. <laughs> um, so anyway. Moving on. Yes. We're at 1953 now. Okay. Okay. So try to imagine what America's like in 1953. Uh, oh, the 50s. Yeah. Yeah. Good yeah. stuff. Yeah. Um, 
<laughs> Houses all look the same. Cigarette women addiction. <laughs> and women are in the kitchen. Yes. And the Korean War. <laughs> the Korean Just War. the best of times. <laughs> so it's 1953. Uh-huh. And China looks very different from other nations in the world. Yeah. Uh, so Mao decides to launch what was called the Five-Year Plan. Okay. Uh, which aimed to make China a world power and reduce its dependence on agriculture. Huh. This actually worked. Oh. And China became heavily industrialized. Okay. Now, it had consequences. It had a lot of consequences, but the plan worked. Sure. Right. So, China's now an industrial power. Got it. Uh, Mao started what was called the Hundred Flowers Campaign, uh, which was basically a forum where people could express their ideas about how the government in China should function. <laughs> okay. Everyone who went was allowed to express themselves and even openly oppose the communist form of government. Oh, wow. Yeah, and people did. This is amazing. Yeah, this is huge. Yeah. So, Mao arrests 500,000 of them. <laughs> So the whole thing was a ruse to get people who thought differently from the state doctrine oh and send them to God. camps. Wow. This this was uh, called Mao's anti-rightist movement. Uh, there it is. Just yeah. so blatant. Just so blatant. There it is. Uh, and it's 1958. And you know what that means. Uh, it's time for the Great Leap Forward. Oh no. And that one, what I, man, I don't, I don't, didn't know too much about it. Yeah. But when I, when I saw the letters, I got this like emotional, oh shit. Yeah. Like, cause I remember something vaguely from history class. Like, it wasn't exactly a leap forward. <laughs> yeah. So I was, it was good for me to review this. Uh, so the Great Leap Forward was an economic plan to make China even more uh, of an industrial powerhouse. Okay. Among other things, uh, peasants were taken away from their farms <laughs> and forced to produce steel and build things. Yeah. Uh, and an interesting thing about this is, and I didn't write it in, but I, I really want to tell you. Um, so they were supposed to be producing steel. Yeah. But they didn't know the smelting process. Oh, God. So they brought out all their uh, iron, their cast iron pots and everything, anything made of metal, and melted it all together and oh, no. sent it out as iron. And the people who got it didn't know the difference between iron and steel. Oh, so they gosh. got away with it. Yeah. Wow. So there you go. Anyway, so... Um, they're building things producing not steel. Yeah. Uh, private food production was banned. So Good. if you had a garden, you were an enemy of the state. Jesus. Yes. <laughs> not a joke. Not, no joke. For, yeah. for real here. Uh, so Mao believed in some very unscientific methods of food production and tried to implement them. Okay. Causing grain production to drop about 25% over the course of a few years. Jeez. Oh, <laughs> uh, of course, people who failed to produce what they had been ordered uh, to were killed. Yes. Uh, so everyone was lying about their production rates in order to save their own necks. Wow. Which is understandable. Yeah. Uh, the Great Leap Forward created what was called the Great Chinese Famine. Oh, Jesus. From 1959 to 1962, 30 million people died of starvation. Wow. 30 million. In three years. In three years. Jeez. Yeah. That'll, that'll have a lasting effect. Wow. Yeah, and uh, actually an entire generation, on top of that, an entire generation of children suffered from stunted growth. Oh, sure. And uh, many died very young after this. Wow. So that's a hit on the population. Yeah. Um, but here's the thing. When Mao heard about this, he backed up. He apologized and he stepped down as chairman in shame. He immediately lob lobbied for foreign aid to save his beloved people from excruciating deaths, even going so far as to ask for the United States' help. All right. Uh, yeah. Actually, I'm just fucking around again. <laughs> uh, <laughs> when he heard about 30 million people dying in his country that he was responsible for, yeah. he vowed to stop eating meat. <laughs> That's so he became he a vegan. That's what he did. That's all he did. <laughs> That's all he did. He found no. to stop eating meat. Also, he said the following, uh, quote, when there is not enough to eat, 
people starve to death. <laughs> no shit. Um, but anyway, he also said it is better to let half of the people die so that the other half can eat their fill. Oh How's my. that for equality, comrades? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Jeez. I I know. And here, okay, I'm going to go on a bit of a rant here. <laughs> go ahead. But, okay, we're always taught about the Holocaust and how atrocious that was. And yes. 12 million people were killed. And that's good. We should learn and we should discuss it because it was And we should evil. condemn it for God's Absolutely. sake. Absolutely. I mean, um, fascist extremism is, has done terrible things. But what I don't understand <laughs> is when people say communism is so great and has never been tried. And it's like... Mao just killed 30 million people in three years. <laughs> never, never mind every other single communist state on the on the planet. Yeah, like, uh, yeah. And I, uh, well, I'll stop. Here. I mean, it's fine. I was thinking about it today because I've been thinking about this a lot. I researched this. Yeah. Um, because I I couldn't believe it when I heard it. I was like, there's no way. Yeah. There's no way. But I was thinking about it, and I was thinking about why fascism and why communism just don't seem to work, and they end up in these deadly cycles. Uh huh. And I think it's because they just can't work with humans. I mean, everyone hmm. says, like, when you look at communism, it makes sense. Like, you read you read Marx and you're like, he's right. got a good case, yeah. right? Um, and if you believe it, you know, you start to do some pretty awful things for the most part. Yes. Um, but really, like, when you, when you try to apply almost like a computer logic to humanity, mm -hmm. it just doesn't work out. It's like it drives them crazy and they start killing each other. Yeah. I mean, it's... it's yeah. You know what I'm saying? I don't know. Well, I'm not saying, like, there's something wrong with the idea. I'm saying something. there's something wrong with the function. Yeah, for sure. Like, the function has been consistently bad for both of those ideologies. Yes. So why are we still doing that? I don't know. Ugh. But anyway. Well, yeah. <laughs> there goes all our communist and fascist listeners, well, which is certainly about 95%. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, Mao didn't believe the starvation was his fault. Of course. Uh, he blamed the right-wingers in kulaks uh -huh. uh, and said they were hoarding grain. <laughs> uh, you know, because they're, they're all... Clearly, look at them. They're fat as hell. Yeah. <laughs> they're eating all the grain. Okay. Uh, nope. <laughs> So he refused to open state granaries and instead launched a new purge campaign. Uh, right, Good. exactly. Yes. To kill off whoever was accused of hiding food. And, and these are just accused of hiding yes, food. Yes, accused of hiding so food. So not proven to yeah. be hiding food. And they could plant evidence, and they did. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, so, and again, you've got those execution quotas. Yeah. This is a great way to meet those quotas. Jeez. Uh, so people accused of hiding food were tortured and beaten to death. Oh, also, anyone who said the Great Leap Forward was a failure uh, was pretty much executed on the spot. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I mean, of course. Yeah. Um, so anyway, China soon split with the Soviet Union because Stalin was no longer in power and a more moderate guy named Khrushchev took office. Yes. Okay. Right. So it's the 1960s and Mao does another thing that he's extremely notorious for. He starts what's called the Cultural Revolution. I've heard that before. Yeah. Uh, so he became had become concerned, and rightly so, that the old elite had been taken out only to be replaced with a new elite. Oh, the story of communism. Right. <laughs> well, I mean, you look at it. Yeah. That's why we have the words Maoist, Leninist, Stalinist. Yeah, It's because sure. they eventually become cults of personality. Yes. Uh, and actually, Mao criticized... Wait, was it... Was it Mao criticizing Stalin or Stalin criticized... Mao criticized Stalin for allowing his communist state to become... A cult personality, a personality cult. Huh. Um, anyway, he did, which was interesting. Yeah, because you know Mao uh, is, reminds me a little bit of Trotsky mm -hmm. in that he he's doing all these brutal things and supporting all these terrible things, but he's also like keeping the focus on the people. Yeah. Okay. Like for the most part. Sure. Um, at least ideologically speaking. 
Yeah. Um, so anyway, cultural rev revolution. Right. Uh, replaced the old elite had replaced or the new elite had replaced the old elite yeah uh, so pretty much all the schools and universities were shut down always a good move yeah intellectuals <laughs> and I'm not kidding that <laughs> happened <laughs> okay so intellectuals were sent to the countryside to be re-educated by peasants oh my what the hell yeah I guess they had to learn the you know blue collar way or something like that I don't, yeah I don't know um, but anyway, so Mao did his best to completely destroy China's traditional heritage. Okay. Uh, and again, anyone who was against this was killed. Sure. Probably millions of people. My dude. <laughs> wow. And suicide went up again. Yeah. 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 So much so that Mao even commented on Ooh. it. He said, people who try to commit suicide, this is a quote, people who try to commit suicide don't attempt to save them. China oh. is a populous nation. It's not as if we cannot do without a few people. What the fuck? I know. He's like, oh. he's like openly tolerating suicide yeah. and almost even like supporting it. Yeah, go kill yourselves. Yeah. You know? Save us the bullet, you know? Yeah. So anyway, the national police chief also said, quote, don't say it is wrong of them to beat up bad persons. If in anger they beat someone to death, so be it. Oh, jeez. Familiar! Yeah. Around this time, a group emerged called the Red Guards, uh -huh. uh, who were basically a secret police who hunted down and killed anyone who disagreed with Mao. Good. Yes. Oh, by the way, people are calling themselves Maoists now, like I said. Yes. Uh, not communists. Not communists. They're Maoists. See, I told you communism never works. <laughs> Never been tried. Or never been tried. No, it's, yeah. it's been tried, but it's repeatedly devolved into into Maoism. Well, that's style. the capitalist's fault. <laughs> You're right. It's it's the capitalist. God damn it. So anyway, just like Russia with the Leninists, the Stalinists, whatever. Yeah. Uh, also, remember Mao is how Mao is working to get more women into politics. Yes. Yes. Uh, yeah. He was being championed as a supporter of women's rights, uh, kind okay. of all over the world. Good. Uh, which fine. Yes. But here are some quotes from the chairman Mao. Uh, chairman Mao. The feminist yes. re regarding women. Okay. Uh, number one, women are nonsense. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. That's it. All right. Uh, two, to the U.S., he said, China is a very poor country. There's a quote, China is a very poor country. We don't have much. What we have in excess is women. Let them go to your place. They create disasters. That way you can lessen our burdens. Oh. Ho-ho. Ho-ho-ho. Ho-ho-ho. It's almost like he was using people's, like, like... <laughs> I, I don't know, I don't desire know. for equality of some measure to, <laughs> to, uh. to, I don't know, get support, yeah. but like, God. Yeah. Oh, and these comments were covered up until 2008. Oh my God, yeah, wow. That just came out. Jeez. So in, <clears throat> in 1968, yes. the Pakistan, this is great, the Pakistani foreign minister, Saeed Sharfuddin Pirsada, brought Mao some mangoes. Like you do. Yeah. <laughs> Here's a quote from a communist newspaper of the era. Um... How should I read this? What voice? Well, we we probably shouldn't do a Chinese voice. That I be... can't do one. Well, yes. Um, I couldn't do a, a Russian. pirate. <laughs> In the afternoon of the fifth, uh, I can't do a pirate voice. <laughs> That's pretty good though. Uh, when uh, great happy news of Chairman Mao giving mangoes to the capital worker. Okay, I'm gonna read regular. Yeah, yeah. In the afternoon of the fifth, when the great happy news of Chairman Mao giving mangoes to the capital worker and peasant. Um. Mao immediately gathered around the gift given by the leader, Chairman Mao. They cried out enthusiastically and sang with wild abandonment. Tears swelled up in their eyes, and they again and again sincerely wished that our most beloved great leader lived then thousand years, I'm sorry, lived 10,000 years without bounds. They all made phone calls to their own work units to spread this happy news. They also organized kinds of celebratory activities all night long and arrived at the National Leadership Compound, uh, Hai, despite the rain, to report, um, the good news and to express their loyalty to the great leader, Chairman Mao. 
Because of some mangoes? Because of some mangoes. (laughs) Okay. Uh, One of these mangoes was sent to a factory where people literally organized a rally in honor of the mangoes. What the fuck? Yeah. And one mango. Yeah. Yeah. These are hungry people, for God's sake. So they built altars for the mangoes. (laughs) When the mangoes started to rot, they boiled it. And workers were given each a spoonful of mango water. They made a wax replica of the mango and put it on display. (laughs) What? A dentist compared a mango to a sweet potato. He was put on trial for malicious slander and was subsequently put to death. What? Yes. This, that no. happened. That happened. No. I know. Uh, okay. I know. Uh, what? Can you believe that? No. It's crazy. Uh, so, wow. a- anyway. In 1969, Mao declared the Cultural Revolution to be over. It persecuted something like 36 million people and killed around 3 million. Sure. Yeah. Great. But 3 million sounds like nothing no. right now. Because we've just heard it again and again. Ugh. 3 million people. Three million people. How many people live in Chicago? Uh, eight, eight million? Yeah. Or, I, I have no idea. We should look. Chicago population. And while you're doing well, that. Well, I know Illinois is like 12 million, I think. Yeah. Oh, I was way off. It's only about 2.7 million. So that's like Chicago disappearing. Yeah. Being killed. Everyone in Chicago. Wow. And even some of the outlying suburbs. Yeah. Can you believe... Like, come on! Well, I wouldn't be as opposed to that, but, uh... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, no, that's Uh, terrible. Three million people. Three million people. But anyway, Mao was getting sick. Oh, uh, Because he was addicted to the cancer sticks. Oh, yeah. Uh, And he also probably had Parkinson's disease. Jeez. And that's where we'll stop, because that's the way it's gonna be. Okay. I want you to know, I use the same sources for this research as I did everyone else. This is not, like, bent. Yeah, This isn't. This isn't me going to, like far-right websites and, like, finding all the bad shit I can. This is, like, Wikipedia and all the su- sources I can find on there. Yeah, and I want to make clear that neither of us are far-right. Oh, we don't care. No. We're, we're dumb assholes. <laughs> yeah. We don't give a fuck. Yeah. I mean, I-, I never started caring about politics until I started reading history, and then it was like... I kind of have to. I kind of have to now. Yeah. But, again, I-, I don't I don't care to get political. I don't no. care. No. I-, I, just, I just think that there are good and bad ideas, and they manifest themselves. Yeah. Um, and you can... <laughs> By your their fruits you shall know them. <laughs> you know? More Bible verses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But hey, I mean, it's not like democracy doesn't have any blood on its hands. Oh, of course. Yeah. yeah. I mean, every political system has problems and causes death. Yes. Um, but not in this manner. Like this mass calculated. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting how like the far right Nazism, like like their their death camps were calculated mm-hmm. and careful and thought out. Yep. Um. And, and orderly, even. And the deaths in communism, uh, due to communism in China and Russia, were like starvation. Yeah. There were, they, you know, there weren't, there weren't like, most of the deaths were starvation. There was also an ordered hunt of, like, people who disagreed. Yeah. With, um, <laughs> so, but don't, so don't get me wrong on that. But, like, isn't it interesting how similar yet different they are in their own way? Their methods are different, but it's the same shit. Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah. that's... And that's the thing. Yeah. It's und- it's history. It's undeniable. Come on. It's not like yeah. God. Well, and what I thought was interesting is you were talking about how awful the Chinese nationalists were. Oh, yeah. Same thing. Well, and the Japanese imperialists were oh, yeah. just as bad, if not worse. Oh, so my you've God. got communism, imperialism, and fascism, and they're all mass murderers. It's like... They're all the same. It's like, well, we look at we, now we go and we look at Nazism. We're like, yeah, that's probably not a good idea. And we look at we look at colonialism. We're like, well, that's kind of embarrassing. We shouldn't have done that. And then we look at communism. We're kind of like, ha, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Ha. 
I got a Soviet flag on my wall. Yeah. Like, are you kidding me? <laughs> like, I mean, ugh, I don't know. I don't know. I feel like I'm probably going too far here, but I don't, I don't care. I don't care. It's history. Yeah. God damn it. You know, I, I remember I learned about this at a university. Yeah. Okay. And then I relearned it through the internet. And the yes. thing is, it's not like I was, like, sitting at some... Fu- I was at one of the most leftist universities I could probably find. Yep. And they've got a history class, and they're kind of like, yeah, well, communism kind of killed 100 million people. It's like, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> not <Yeah>. good! <laughs> yeah, you're not going to see that in a presidential bumper sticker. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, uh, the history does not lie. Yes. Yeah, the history does not lie about fascism and communism. The two sides of the same coin. Yes, exactly. And I think that scares people. Yeah. Uh, it scares me. Well, but. and I, I think in a lot of the ways, we're made to, if we're fascists, we're made to think the communists are awful. And if we're communists, we're made to think the fascists are awful. Yeah. And meanwhile, we're so riled up by the differences that we don't see that our own party is literally putting millions of people in camps. Of our people. Yeah. Like, you know? Yes. <laughs> like, like the Russians are like, or, I'm sorry, the, the Maoists... I meant to say Maoists, not Russians. Yeah. The Maoists are, like, totally along for the ride. Yeah. And, and that's the scary part. And that, that that scares the hell out of me. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know I don't what know. to make of it. You know, I'm not a smart man. But <laughs> we are simple men. But but it, it looks to me like those are both bad ideas and probably should have died with World War II. Or, if, or a little earlier, maybe. Yes. Saved us a hundred million people. But... Anyway, this is why I'm a monarchist. <laughs> <laughs> and yes. this is why I'm a uh, a, uh, a a waffle. <laughs> a waffle? Well, I don't know. A papist? My dad calls me a fence sitter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's why I'm that's why I'm in the fence sitting party. Yes. That's why I voted for Gary Johnson. <laughs> you didn't yeah. vote. You told <laughs> right, me that. I didn't vote. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I didn't vote. <laughs> I'm a bad American. He's a bad American. I'm the reason she lost. <laughs> No, we're in Illinois. She won here. Yeah, she did. Don't blame us, liberals. <laughs> well, anyway, I think we should take a quick break. Yep. And when we come back, we'll be talking about Anton LaVey. Remember him? Nope. Yep, we'll be talking about his adult life. And we are back to We Talk About Dead People, which may not exist tomorrow. Oh. oh. <laughs> the communists might be listening. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> Okay, or, uh, well, or the Nazis, any of them. Any of them. Uh. Uh, so, I just want to say to our listeners, if you've hung in this uh, this long, thank you. Yes. Uh, this is probably going to be our longest episode yet, which is good. Yeah. Yeah. I like longer stuff. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, good. It, well, I I mean, it turns out that um, people listen to long podcasts a lot more than they listen to short ones. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Okay. Yeah. I so, thought it was about a dick. Anyway. Uh, ha! It was too. <laughs> Everything is about a dick. Okay, Freud. <laughs> <laughs> so tell us, James, about Anton LaVey's adult life. Hold on. I got a vape. Yeah, oh my god. <laughs> you piece of shit vapor. Ah. Uh, well, it tastes better than cigarettes. Taste the rainbow. Uh, I wish I could. There's this juice called Bombsicle that I love. Uh, I know I'm such a nerd for being... Yeah, I, but it helped I me quit smoking. I don't want to know. It helped me You're quit. telling me about vape juice. I, it's like telling someone about your vibrator. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is. Uh, All right. Okay. Anton LaVey's adult life. Yes. Uh, so we last left Anton LaVey. Uh, remember him? Maybe not. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> 
Sorry. All right, Anton LaVey. He was working in the San Francisco area as an organist and as a paranormal researcher and investigator. Righto. And he became somewhat of a local celebrity for his ghost-busting <laughs> skills and organ playing. Cool. Uh, Anton would answer people's calls about spiritual paranormal happenings, and Anton would usually explain the happenings with rationale and science and whatever, but people really didn't seem to like this. That kind of makes sense. Yeah, they wanted spiritual explanations. Well, that's the fun part. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Uh, so Anton began using all sorts of exotic and wacky explanations, and people began liking this a lot more. That makes sense. It does. Anyway, in 1956, Anton bought a Victorian house in San Francisco and painted it black. Great. Uh, the house will be important later on. Okay. Actually, it's important now. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so Anton begins hosting lavish house parties, and this draws in all sorts of interesting and important people who I will not name. Okay. Uh, but it included anthropologists, science fiction writers, astrologists, and other people generally interested in the paranormal. That could be really fun. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I think so. Okay. Uh, and these parties kind of became a thing because oh. people were having fun. Right. Uh, they all start meeting on Friday nights to talk about subjects such as magic, rituals, and the occult. And Anton goes on uh, to become the main lecturer and names this group the Order of the Trapezoid. <laughs> Uh, and also his magic circle. Oh, wait, it's a trapezoid and a circle? Uh, yeah. That's not geometrically correct. Well, Sorry, this man is geometrically no, unglad. <laughs> geometrically unglad? Incorrect. Incorrect. Okay. Yeah. So. so his magic circle. All right. Which is his belly button. <laughs> Okay. Anyway, so these meetings go on for a while in the early 1960s, and people just become super interested in Anton because of his Adam's family lifestyle. For sure. Uh, oh, and Anton also has a pet lion named Tagare. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, I think it's Tagare. Uh, anyway, Tagare was a 500-pound 500, 500 Nubian lion who Jeez. lived with Anton, uh, and this has been confirmed. Oh my god. They would sleep in the same bed together. Oh! Uh, but unfortunately, one day, Tagare got mad and ripped up everything in Anton's house, so Anton had to send him to the zoo. Ah! Yeah. Was it? I wonder if it was, like, against some kind of neighborhood code to have a live lion in your house. Oh, pro probably. Probably. Yeah. But I don't <laughs> get the sense that Anton would care very much about that. No. And yeah. he's kind of a celebrity, so... Yeah. yeah. Anyway, after a few years of lecturing to his magic circle friends, <laughs> one of these friends says, Hey, Anton, you can make a religion out of all this stuff. Ah! So guess what? Ah! Anton makes a religion. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, so on the eve of April 30th, which is known as Witches' Night oh. uh, in many Eastern European and Germanic traditions, uh, in the year 1966, Anton LaVey announced the founding of the Church of Satan ah. <laughs> uh, and shaved his entire head so that he matched the tradition of ancient executioners. Oh. Uh, but actually, ancient executioners didn't do this. Oh. Uh, but actually, Anton just lost a bet <laughs> and had to shave his head. Anyway, oh. so it happened in 1966, uh, and he renamed named this year Year One Anno Satanus, or the first year of the Age of Satan. Uh... Kind of cool. Yeah. Uh, no. <laughs> it's kind of weird. <laughs> yes. Okay. All right. Anyway. All right. All right. Wait, wait, wait. So, this is just a guy who's... It, it looks to me so far... Yeah. Like he's just... Like, a, what, what do we call it? A contrarian. Like, he just yeah. wants to, like, get attention by being different. Right, yeah. It's just fine, I guess. Yeah, and, and he did. Yeah. Oh, he got the attention. I, I oh, know yeah. he did. Yeah, so uh, we're finally at some good old Satanism. Okay. Which I'm always up for. Okay. <laughs> uh, and the press just kind of 
eats this up, <laughs> especially in 1968, or the third year of the Age of Satan. <laughs> uh, in this year, Anton released a record album named The Satanic Mass. Oh. And you can listen to this whole thing on YouTube. Oh, yay! Uh, so the first side of the album includes the recording of Anton baptizing his three-year-old daughter, Xena, into the Satanic Church. Okay. <laughs> and the second side is just Anton reciting various verses he wrote over the music of Beethoven and Wagner. Have I heard this shit? I feel like I've heard this. I've definitely played this for you. I think I woke you up one morning playing this for you. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Okay. Anyway, so in the late 1960s and early 1970s, Anton began developing and writing down the core beliefs of Satanism. Okay. His biggest influences were largely his own thoughts and experiences on the paranormal, as well as Frederick Nietzsche, Ayn Rand, Jack London, what? social Darwinism, H.P. Uh. Lovecraft, John Dee, and Ragnar Redbeard. Social Darwinism. Yeah. That's a fun one. Uh, we're going to get into that later. Oh, okay, here yeah, we go. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, and in 1969, or year four in the new age of Satan, <laughs> Anton published the book, The Satanic Bible. Ah! And we'll get to this book and the beliefs inside in a couple of minutes. All right! Uh, but first, let's talk about a few more books he's, he published. Uh, in 1971, Anton published The Complete Witch, which uh, is basically an instruction manual for women and how they can use lesser magic to enchant men and bend them to their will. Oh! Uh, yeah, in 1972, or I'm sorry, Year 7 of the New Age of Satan, <laughs> Anton published The Satanic Rituals. Which, uh, I've had a look at that. Mm. Yeah, I, I, I own it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I know. Uh, anyway, this book was a companion for the Satanic Bible and included things like rituals and traditions for Satan- uh, Satanists to practice. Okay. Uh, and there have also been two collections of essays of Anton's, which were published later, and these were The Devil's Notebook and Satan Speaks. Okay! And they include all sorts of Anton's writings uh, and cover all sorts of topics. Okay. Uh, he also, remember he played the organ and he was musically talented? Right. Uh, he had a couple of musical recordings, such as the album The Satanic Mass, Strange Music, and Satan Takes a Holiday. <laughs> uh, and because of uh, his works, he became rather famous for basically starting Starting the modern satanic movement. Okay. Uh, he even appeared on t- uh, talk shows such as The Tonight Show. <laughs> really? Yeah, and I actually watched the interview. The whole thing is on YouTube and is pretty interesting. Oh. He's actually a really chill and hilarious dude. <laughs> oh. Uh, but Joe Pine, the guy interviewing him, is kind of a dick. Okay. Anyway, go watch it. It's pretty interesting. Fun. So now that we've covered kind of his basic adult life, I think we finally need to get to what Satanism means. Right. Because after all, Anton founded the modern Satanic Church. And the best place to find the core beliefs of this religion is none other than the Satanic Bible written by our Anton LaVey. Okay! And regardless of where you stand religiously, I I greatly encourage you to read this book. Uh, You can pick it up for just a few bucks on Amazon or most bookstores, and it really is a great read. It's also online. There's a PDF format. But anyway. let me let me ask you. Yeah. Why should people read it? I I will get to that. Okay. Yes. Uh, uh, so I'm going to explain his version of Satanism okay. in just a second. Uh, so let's take a yeah. So let's take a look at the word Satanism. Um, so when you think of Satanist, 
you, you probably, especially if you come from a Christian ba- background, you probably think of a bunch of black robed guys sacrificing a naked virgin on a big slab of stone while actually worshiping Satan. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Okay. Uh, this is not what Anton LaVey's Satanism is. Okay. Uh, and this gets to a discussion on the different denominations of Satanism. Denomination? Yeah, yeah. So just like Islam or Christianity or whatever, Satanism describes a broad category of religions. Interesting. Uh, so there are things like neo-paganism, Nordic paganism, theistic Satanism, atheistic Satanism, the occult. They're all different, but they're all just labeled under Satanism often. Okay. Uh, so I think it's... This happens largely because of the Christian understanding of Satan. Right. We just kind of write it all off as bad. Right. Um, and as we were both raised Christian, I think it's easy for us to just wipe all of these viewpoints under the rug as being basically poised by the literal Satan. <laughs> right? I mean, yeah. that's how we, yeah. how we view it. Uh, it turns out it's way more complicated than this. Yeah. 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 Uh, were you going to say something? No, I'm thinking. Go ahead. Okay. <laughs> So Anton LaVey's Satanism is often properly called LaVeyan Satanism, after his name. Right. Or the Church of Satan. Okay. And uh, I am by no means an expert on this stuff, but from what it sounds like, this type of Satanist don't worship Satan as a godlike entity, but instead see him as a symbol for freedom from oppression and a fighter for individualism. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and An- Anton was all about individualism and nonconformity. Those okay. were like the two big things for him. Right. Okay. So let's finally break down some of the core parts of the book, The Satanic Bible. Uh, so the book is broken down into a prologue and then four books. The Book of Satan, the Book of Lucifer, the Book of Be- Belial, and the Book of Leviathan. Uh, the prologue includes the nine satanic statements, which really underlie uh, what Anton's version of Satanism stands for. And now I shall read them. I am expecting darkness. Uh, maybe. Yes. Okay. <laughs> so, number one. Satan represents indulgence instead of abstinence. Yes. Uh, number two. Satan represents vital existence instead of spiritual pipe dreams. Okay. Number three. Satan represents undefiled wisdom instead of hypocritical self-deceit. Number four. Satan represents kindness to those who deserve it instead of love wasted on ingrates. Number five. Satan represents vengeance instead of turning the other cheek. That's true. Uh, number six, Satan represents responsibility to the responsible instead of concern for psychic vampires. What? <laughs> number seven, Satan represents man as just another animal, sometimes better, more often worse than those that walk on all fours, who, because of his divine spiritual and intellectual development, has become the most vicious animal of all. Right. Uh, <laughs> this was written in the 60s. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, number eight, Satan represents all of the so-called sins as they all lead to physical, mental, or emotional gratification. Okay. Uh, hedonism. <laughs> right. We'll get into that later. And number nine, Satan has been the best friend the church has ever had as he has kept it in business all these years. That's kind of funny, actually. Yeah, it is. <laughs> uh, so these kind of sum things up. Levian Satanism has heavy influences from uh, social Darwinism and anti-Christianity thought as you can see, right. as well as some hedonism. Okay. And we'll get into this more. Okay. 
Uh, so after the prologue, next comes the Book of Satan or the Book of Fire, which is further broken down into five chapters with verses, kind of like the Bible. Right. Uh, the book borrows much from the book Might is Right, written by Ragnar Redbeard. Okay. And it upholds things such as tooth-for-tooth tooth philosophy, okay. humans being predatory animals, uh, promoting indulgence to fulfill carnal desires, and encouragement to question all forms of organized religion and to destroy anything that is built upon lies. So it's not all bad. No, it's okay. not. Uh, the last part is basically the Christian Beatitudes, rewritten to include things such as, Blessed are the destroyers of false hope, for they are the true messiahs. Oh. Oh. Cursed are the God-adorers, for they shall be shorn sheep. Or, uh, Blessed are the strong, for they shall possess the earth. Cursed are the weak, for they shall inherit the yoke. <laughs> So it's kind of a survival of the fittest thing going on here. Oh, yeah. I don't even know what to... Well, I do know what I want to say, but I'm not going to say it. Well, yeah. <laughs> so the, I want to say this. You, I can't include everything in the summary, obviously. Right. So just go read it for yourself to, to decide what to think. Like I said, read books. Yeah. Good for yes, you. Yes, yes. So book two of the Satanic Bible, which is the Book of Lucifer or the Book of Air, okay. holds most of the philosophy behind Anton's Satanism structure. Anton questions Christianity's long-held belief that God is good and Satan is bad. Right. He lays out reasoning that Satan is actually a force for freedom and self-deliverance and invites both atheists and anti-theists to take up the standard of his Satanism. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and Anton makes sure to illustrate that Satanists should not see Satan as an actual being to worship, but instead as a metaphor or a symbol. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, so they're not... I mean, a lot of uh, modern-day Satanists are just atheists mm -hmm. who use it as a <laughs> <Yeah>. symbol. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, in this book, Anton also rejects the idea of prayer, encourages the seven deadly sins, which, if you don't know, are lust, gluttony, greed, sloth, wrath, envy, and pride. Hey, what did the sloths ever do to you? <laughs> Ice Age, everybody. <laughs> anyway, so the- Fuck that movie. <laughs> no! <laughs> oh, whatever. Okay. So, he encourages the seven deadly sins because these lead to self-gratification, which in turn leads to stronger individualism, which is good to Anton's Satanism. Got it. Uh, the book also includes a long chapter on satanic sex. Ah! Uh, and in this chapter, Anton denies the claims that Satanism promotes wild orgies and rape. Oh, which that's is, good. Which is good, that's yeah. good. <laughs> uh, <laughs> he instead promotes individuals to explore their sexuality in whatever way they feel comfortable as long as nobody is harmed, which is good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he also talks about sacrifices and says that babies and animals should never be subject to sacrifice because they are pure creatures, and this part is complicated, so I'm not going to get into it. Uh, basically, don't sacrifice babies. Yes, yeah. exactly. Okay. Yeah. So what are you supposed to sacrifice if not babies and animals? Well, he says that some people can be sacrificed if they uh, deserve it. Oh my But it's more complicated. Like, God. I'm making it sound worse than it is. And I'm, I'm not a Satanist, so I don't know. Okay, okay. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, uh, Anton also talks about the idea of the afterlife and seems to not believe in it. Uh, yeah, fun. Also, birthdays are the most important holidays because individualism. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Pretty, pretty uh... Yeah. Pretty, uh, staunch about that individualism thing. Yeah, well, Ayn Rand, social Darwinism. Right, right, right Makes right, sense, right. yeah. Re she wrote the, the virtue of selfishness or something like that. Yeah, something like yeah. that, yeah. 
So the third book, uh, or the book of Belial or Belial, I don't know. I think it's Belial. Belial? Sure. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, uh, it talks about satanic and magic rituals, uh, which is odd because so far his beliefs sound a lot more like hedonism and self-fulfilling atheism. Yeah. And it's kind of like that. Uh, but... but- Again, I'm just some jackass reading his book. <laughs> it seems that Anton's view of magic was more about scientific and psychological manipulation. Oh, okay. And so his third book co- uh, covers this stuff. And there are more instructions on sex, mainly about sexual magic, which I will read some of now because who isn't interested uh, in sex magic? Uh, I actually couldn't care less. <laughs> but I know Pickles is sitting right there. Yeah. And so he wants to hear this. And this is for you listeners. All right. Okay. All right. So Anton breaks down how to carry out a ritual to summon one for lustful purpose or establish a sexually gratifying situation. Okay. Uh, And before this, he talks about how to arrange the altar. That's right. There's an altar. Of course. And what to wear and things like that. But let's just jump to the chase. All right. You mean cut to the chase? Jump to the chase? Yeah. (laughs) Cut to the the chase. You can't even do a, a... Hey, I made a great leap forward, okay? (laughs) Oh my god. No. (laughs) Okay, okay, so let's get to the ritual. Uh, Leave the area of the altar and remove yourself to that place, either in the same room or without. That will be most conducive to the working of the respective ritual. Then fashion whatever imagery you possibly can that will parallel in an exact way possible the situation towards which you strive. Uh. Remember, you have five senses to utilize, so do not feel you must limit your imagery to one. What? <laughs> Here are devices that may be employed. Okay. And, and remember, this is to like, it's a ritual for whatever sexual desire you want. Right, to like get it? Or, yes. Okay. Uh, so number one. Graphic imagery such as drawings, paintings, etc. Number two, written imagery such as stories, plays, descriptions of desires, and eventual outcome of the same. Number three, acting out the desire, either as yourself or portraying the role of the object of your desire, using any devices necessary to intensify imagery. Okay. Number four, any odors relative to the desired person or situation. Ugh, that's a... I don't like that (laughs) word. Odor. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, and number five, any sounds or background noises conducive to a strong image. All right. Yeah, so feel free to do this at home, listeners. Oh. Uh, <laughs> I'll walk you through it. Oh, God. So get the scene ready. Uh, so, and, and then he goes on to say... Intense sexual feelings should accompany this step of the ritual, and after sufficient imagery is obtained, as strong an orgasm as if possibly should serve <laughs> as climax to this step. Oh my god. This climax should be attained using any masturbatory or autoerotic means necessary. Oh after orgasm is obtained, return to the location of the altar and proceed with step number 11. Wait, 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 wait. We, we had five steps. Uh, well, okay, yes. So those those were different five... That's a different set of steps. Oh, okay. So there was another ten steps which I left out. Okay. Uh, and that's just about, like, the setup. Okay. So then we did the five, the five steps. And now uh, you've masturbated. <laughs> and now we're on to number, number 11. Uh, yes. ah. So... And number 11 is... If requests are written, they are now read aloud by the priest and then burned in the flames of the appropriate candle. 
Shem, Ham, Forash, and Hail Satan is said after each request. Of course. And then step number 12 is some verses are read by the priest or something. Okay. Then step number 13, a ringing of the bell as pollutionary, and then the words, so it is done, are spoken by the priest. So to sum it all up, you light some candles, get all cozy, and then jack off in front of a priest. <laughs> which reminds me a lot of Roman Catholicism. Oh my god! <laughs> you can't say that on the air! Oh, and I, I also forgot to tell you the conjuration verses for lust. Oh, okay. And we gotta include these All right. for our listeners. Alright. So, it, now, it is different whether or not you're a man or a woman, okay. uh, what your chant is. So, uh, uh, listeners, I'm doing this for you. Please yeah. oh. feel free to follow along. I'm looking ahead. God yeah. damn it. So, a as a man, this is what you should uh, chant. Oh. My rod is a thrust. <laughs> God. The penetrating force of my venom shall shatter the sanctity of that mind which is barren of lust, and as the seed falleth, so shall its vapors be oh. spread within that reeling brain, benumbing it to helplessness according to my will. Oh. In the name of the great god Pan, may my secret thoughts be marshaled into the movements oh. of the flesh of that which I desire. Shem Ham Farosh Hell Satan. <laughs> <laughs> but we're not done. That's only if you're a man. Oh, God. Now, if you're a woman, oh, this no. is what you have to say. Now, oh, God. I apologize. I'm not a woman, but no, I'm going to no. do my best to... <laughs> my lowens No, no, are... not like that. <laughs> my <lowens laughs> are a flame. Oh, my God. <laughs> this is so bad. Uh, <laughs> just, just read uh, it right, straight, just... for God's sake. <laughs> Uh, the dripping of my nectar from my eager cleft shall act as pollen to that slumbering brain, and the mind that feels not lust shall on a sudden reel with crazed impulse. And when my mighty surge is spent, new wanderings shall begin, and that flesh which I desire shall come to me. In the names of the great harlot of Babylon, and of Lilith, and of Hecate, Hecate, I, th I don't know. I think may it's Hecate, I don't know. Hecate, uh, may my lust be fulfilled. Shem, ham, parash, hail Satan! <laughs> anyway, there's enough of that. That's um, the worst shit I've ever heard. Yeah. I, I'm doing a terrible, I, I'm a terrible representative uh, for the, the book of Satan. Oh, God. Like, I'm, ju I, I'm just reading what made me laugh the most. <laughs> there's actually some good advice in this book. Oh. Uh, anyway, yeah. So, I tend to doubt that. <laughs> no, no. Like I said, so I've read I've read the, the Satanic Bible twice. Uh, I read it when I was a Christian, and I read it when I was an atheist. Uh, and both times I latched on the things that benefited my life. Uh, and no, I'm not talking about the masturbation ritual. <laughs> Probably not. <Okay. laughs> anyway, so don't rely on my interpretation of the book. Go read it for yourself. It's short Sweet and easy Jesus. to read. You can find it anywhere. Anyway, I think that's a pretty good place to finish with Anton LaVey's adult life. Actually, wait, I, uh, oh. <laughs> there's more. Okay, I forgot to add the list of the 11 satanic rules of the earth, which are quite important to LaVeyan Satanism. And regardless of what you've thought of all this, I think most people would agree that these rules are pretty great. Okay. Some, well, some of them are. I, I like some of these rules. Okay. Okay. So these are the 11 satanic rules of the earth. Number one. Do not give opinions or advice unless you are asked. Well, that's just polite. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, number two, do not tell your troubles to others unless you are sure they want to hear them. Polite, again. Yeah, that's uh, courtesy. Yeah. Number three, win in another's lair, show him <laughs> respect, or else do not go there. Oh, that's uh, good, too. Yeah, that's good. All right. 
Uh, number four. If a guest in your lair annoys you, treat him cruelly and without mercy. Oh, come on. Uh, That's kind of petty. If someone's yeah. annoying you, you want to be cruel in your lair? Are you kidding? Just, yeah, I don't oh. know. Number five, do not make sexual advances unless you are given the mating signal. Okay. Which, like, oh, yes, what is that? What is that? I'd like to know. <laughs> what is bullying, Mao? Yeah. What is mating signal, Anton? Anyway, uh, number six, do not take that which does not belong to you unless it is a burden to the other person and he cries out to be relieved. Okay. Uh, number seven, acknowledge the power of magic if you have employed it successfully to obtain your desires. Uh -huh. If you deny the power of magic after having called upon it with success, you will lose all that you have obtained. I don't know what to make of I that don't know what one. That means. <laughs> Obviously, we don't have that magic. No. Uh, number eight, do not complain about anything to which you need not subject yourself. Yes. Yeah. Mm. Number nine, do not harm little children. Well, uh, what about... Obviously. What about big children? Yeah. <laughs> hey, just because you want protection doesn't mean Anton needs to have lit. Anyway. <laughs> Calling me a big baby, aren't yes. you? Yeah. Uh, number ten. Asshole. Do, <laughs> do not kill non-human animals unless you are attacked or for your food. Okay. Reasonable. So no, what? Uh, like poaching, I guess? or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Eleven. When walking in open territory, when walking in open territory, bother no one. If someone bothers you, ask him to stop. If he does not stop, destroy him. <laughs> uh, okay. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Okay, I'm just gonna say this. Well, let's talk because, about this because for a little we while. should we should we should have a little discussion. On we this. should because you're saying there are good things in the in the Satanic Bible. Yes, and I'm sitting here hearing. <laughs> Mostly just petty quibbling. And, and sex stuff. Yeah, yeah. And, and I'm like, and I have read parts of it, and there are good parts, don't get me wrong. But really, there's, like, it's so immature <laughs> in so many uh, ways. I know. This is, I don't know, you go. The part of the book that really influenced me was, uh, I read it first when I was a Christian, and very, um, how should I say this? Uh, I'm not saying all Christians are this way, but the, the denomination I was a part of, yes, very controlling. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I could they they didn't allow me to think for myself. They told me what to believe. Totally. Yeah. yeah. And um, w when I picked up the Satanic Bible, I was interested that Satan is seen as this liberating force, and it, and it's an act of rebellion just to pick that up. Oh well, for sure. And uh, I mean, like in in uh, Christian mythology, it, the Garden of Eden. Uh, Satan comes to Eve, the first woman, and gives her knowledge mm -hmm. so that she can rebel against God. So it, it can be seen as this liberating force, in a way. Yeah. Because I, you can mm. see them as just being slaves to God. Right. Because he kept all the knowledge away from them, or whatever. Right. And it can go both ways. I, I don't know. Well, I see, I tend to fall on the, on the line where it's like, um... <laughs> how do I say this nicely? Oh, no. Um, where both are necessary. Sure. Like, you you need both the serpent and the savior. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, you kind of have to... I've been thinking this for years. In fact, I was reading it in, uh... Uh, some G.K. Chesterton, who's this, uh, political writer from back in the day. Yeah. Even some, some Orwell. You know, they're both kind of like, you kind of need a little bit of, of, like, individuality and freedom in your life, but you also have to maintain that with some kind of restraint. Sure. And, like... Goodwill to your neighbors. You can't just be all about yourself, otherwise you're going to destroy yourself. And you're nothing but an animal. And you're nothing but an animal and an asshole. <laughs> yeah, that's um, for sure. So, like, you know, and I've seen that played out in myself in particular. You yeah. Know, when I give it way too much into, um, you know, whatever lust I have that day, um, 
you know, I end up feeling kind of crappy. Yeah. And if I, on the other hand, if I'm too disciplined, I also feel like bored and sad and yeah and depressed. And, and that's like, you know, when the way we were raised, our churches were like, you know, they they weren't very they weren't very liberal at all. No. And we kind of need you kind of need both. Well, and, I yeah, don't know. and uh, we kind of put Mao Zedong and Anton LaVey in the same episode as a joke or whatever. <laughs> but it, it, it's interesting that when we were talking about Mao, like, communism is terrible. Yeah. Fascism is terrible. Like, it's somewhere in between. Yes. And it's the same thing with Anton. Like, you know, extremist fundamentalist Christianity has severe problems. Yes. But atheistic hedonism has some problems. Yeah. Uh, potentially. Yeah. Um, it's probably somewhere in the middle. Like, well, that's why I like I, I listen to Alan Watts every now and then. He's a he's a, a an Eastern philosopher. Right? Okay, just yeah. some English guy who really got into Eastern philosophy, and that's how he basically described that's what the yin and the yang is. Oh, yeah. So sure. like you got the black chaos and then the the white purity or whatever. Yeah. Um, and they are they're in a constant dance, and that's why the shape is assembled the way it is because, you know. There's a balance in nature, and that's what Buddhist, or I, not Buddhist, but I would say Eastern philosophers believe. Sure, and it, yeah. and it sorts itself out. Um, and personally, I think that has definitely some truth to it. Yeah. Um, yeah. But anyway, yeah. So that's interesting. Yeah. So uh, I will admit, I got pretty lazy with Anton's adult <laughs> life. Uh, there wasn't I much mean, about him, it was more his writing. Yeah, exactly. And why would I talk about his adult life when I can talk about sex rituals? <laughs> So I, I <laughs> it was pretty lazy on my hand, and if you're mad at me, if you're a Satanist and you're mad at me, I get it. Um, it's we'll not be a looking great... for a curse. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, anyway, okay. So that about wraps up his adult life. So speaking of curses, mm -hmm. shall we go over to Mao Zedong's end in death? Yeah. Okay. Something about a dong. Yeah, <laughs> Mao Zedong. Yes. <laughs> That's probably not how it's pronounced, by the way. I'm aware of that. Okay. Anyway, when we left old Mao, he had just finished killing several million people and was getting sick. Yeah. Yes. His last public appearance was on May 27th, 1976, and that's when he met with another Pakistani guy. He did not bring mangoes. Oh, shit. Um, he had already had two heart attacks that year, and a third in September, which basically turned him into a vegetable. Oh. Four days later, he was dead at midnight, aged 82. Funny how he became the vegetable when his country didn't have any vegetables. <laughs> Oh my god. Yeah. Okay, so Mao's body was draped in China's flag. Good. Uh, one million people visited, weeping violently, or should I say violently virtue signaling so they don't get arrested. <laughs> the same yeah. thing happened at, at uh, Kim Jong, Kim Il-sung's funeral. Yeah. The or original dictator of North Korea. People were, like, weeping for weeks. And it reminds me, it reminds me of a story I heard about um, some, some new guy in Russia, like that... It was it was while Stalin was still in power, mm -hmm. and uh, at the end of the meeting, they all stand up to clap for Stalin, like you know, kind of like oh, the Scientologists yeah. clap for the portrait. Yeah. So they're all standing up and clapping. Um, but the funny thing is, the guy who was leading the meeting was a new guy. He had replaced a guy who had been fired okay. um, for something. Yeah. Something stupid, from what I remember. But anyway, so this guy just kept clapping because he didn't want to be the one to stop. Sure. And everybody else kept clapping because they didn't want to be the one to stop. No one because if you do, one. you might get arrested for disloyalty. <laughs> what the hell? So they clap for like 10 minutes <laughs> and nobody can stop. And eventually the guy leading the meeting faints. Whoa. Yeah, they had to carry him out on a stretcher. What the heck? Yeah. 
But anyway, so that's that's kind of like what what uh, happened with Mao and Kim Il Sung. The that's, fear. That's yeah. what happens with these things. I Jeez. mean, it, I mean, it's the same. If you don't do a if you don't do a Heil sign, you yeah. know, seek Heil sign or whatever, um, you could get killed. Yeah. I mean, it's a matter of life and death. Uh, suddenly, the individualism of Anton Lavey is really appealing. <laughs> yes, it is, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. See, that's why you need both. Yes. <laughs> so anyway. Uh, the entire country went silent for three minutes. Wow. The entire country. <laughs> um, except for people who had to keep working. Okay. Um, in which case, they were still silent, but everyone else was silent still. Yeah. So the streets go. were just frozen. That's really eerie. Really eerie. Yeah. Uh, Legacy, yes. Oh, he was buried in Beijing. Okay. Um, so Mao's supporters like him because he unified China and brought an end to the Civil War. Good thing. It's been going on for a long yeah. time. Yes, it's a good thing. Um, they also like him for being a champion of women's rights. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah, which is kind of funny because we know he's not. <laughs> yeah. Um, nevertheless, his policies did give women some more rights. So, so okay. There's yeah. that. Uh, his detractors blame him for the deaths of tens of millions <laughs> oh, during his 27-year reign. Yeah. Uh, the range of people who killed is about 40 million to 70 million. That's a huge range. Yeah. We, we just don't even know. We don't know. know, but that's the same thing with Russia. They oh. don't report it. Yeah. They don't report it because they don't want anyone to know. Same, yeah. Same with the fascists in the Holocaust. Yeah. They didn't report it. They were burning the documents. Yeah. Um, but anyway. Uh, by the way, if you're in China, don't say anything bad about Mao, uh, or you'll probably get arrested. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, so, yeah, the Communist Party is still obviously big in China. Yes. <laughs> and if you're looking at it today through a historical lens and you have any sense at all, you're probably thinking that you're watching history repeat itself. It's yeah. likely you are. <laughs> oh, no. Um, so anyway, Mao was also known for his hatred for intellectuals. Okay. Uh, quote, my predecessor buried alive 460 scholars, while we buried 46,000. Jesus. I know. So, uh, you're probably... Yes. Which is funny, because he was an intellectual as a kid. If yeah, you yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, he was super into it. He called himself an intellectual. <laughs> what a change, man. Right. Uh, now, you're probably wondering what I think of Mal. Mm-hmm, uh, I am, actually. Uh, and, and, and everyone else is probably just doesn't give a shit what I think of Mal. Yes. Uh, well, I don't like him, to uh -huh. say the least. <laughs> uh, but I think the most pertinent problem I have with him, and I take this kind of personally, is the Cultural Revolution. How so? Um, because the man banned art. Yeah. Anything that wasn't in service of the state... Hmm. He banned. Um, he banned operas, traditional operas, which, by the way, were gigantic in China. There's a thousand, several thousand year history of operas in China. Interesting. Um, and, I mean, and, like their first movies were operas. Oh, oh, that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. So they were huge, it, and they were burned. Huh. It's, it's surprising that any of them survived. Wow. Um, and all the art was replaced with propaganda. Wow. Anything not in service of the state was ban was banned. Yeah. Um, he banned anything that could be conceived of as counter-revolutionary. Huh. Right? So movies, books, records, anything. Yeah. Anything. And he did. Um, anyone who harbored these things were killed or sent to labor camps. Of course. <laughs> uh, a woman named Mei Shi was banned from writing anything from several years because she wrote something that they thought was minorly cowardly. <laughs> and she was one of the greatest writers of that era. Really? Um, Interesting. So anyway, China's historical sites were destroyed. Ugh. Um, you know, which looks a little bit like other certain movements out there. Yeah, uh, yeah, artifacts from ancient Chinese culture were smashed. Museums were burned to the ground. Private homes were ransacked. Right, because he wanted to destroy China's history. And, right, like, he was he was after the history. Yeah. And I take that very personally because I'm a history podcaster. Yeah. Damn it! <laughs> yes, um, this shit's got to be seen. It's got to be heard. I mean, and yeah. the other thing he did was during this cultural revolution, he destroyed six thousand monasteries. Wow. Yeah, there were only eight left Jeez. by the end of the 1970s. Wow. 600,000 monks and nuns were tortured and killed 
Muslim imams were persecuted. They were paraded through the streets and people threw paint on them. Oh, God. Um, they burned every copy of the Quran they could find. Same Jeez. with the Bible. Um, they went what were called the, after what were called the uh, four olds. And there, was the, there were the old customs, old traditions, old culture, old habits, old ideas. Huh. Which is kind of funny because that's five things. It is. <laughs> um, so this manifested itself in the destruction of classical literature and Chinese paintings. Oh, God. Uh, they dug up a corpse of a duke and hung it naked from a tree in front of a palace. <laughs> Genealogy records were burnt. Uh, History books were burnt. Like, Jesus, why? Yeah. Well, that's that's what I have. Okay. So, no, I don't like Mao. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I mean, say what you want. I mean, it's like it's it's sort of like okay, he united he united China. Yeah, that's a good thing. So did Hitler united Germany or right. or Bismarck in a way. Yeah, Otto yeah. von Bismarck and Kaiser Wilhelm united Germany, and it led to World War One and World War Two. And it's like yeah, it's like ah, uh, you yeah. know, like I mean. It's frustrating for me. It is. Because it's like, you know, I, I'm sitting over here from my ivory tower in America criticizing them, and we've done our own shit. We, yeah. I mean, for fuck's sake, no one ever talks about it. And that, makes, that makes me really mad, because there were atrocities that America committed. And, is committing. And, and is committing, <laughs> yep. and the Allies are committing, and it's like, we're, oh, we're so perfect, you know, we, we have our democracy, let's spread it around. I don't know why I'm talking like a British colonizer, but maybe that's, maybe that's pertinent. Yeah. Uh, I don't know, but like, that pisses me off, because every time I learn about an American atrocity in World War One or World War, we're not in World War One so much, but more like World War Two. Yeah. Uh, the v Vietnam War, all the rest, every time I read it, it's like... So brushed over. It's so brushed over, I mean... You know, I, I think about the, the shit that went on with the CIA yeah. in the 50s and 60s. Listen to our Frank Church episode. Yeah, listen going. to the Frank Church episode. We'll go back there because there's more to cover. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's like the CIA sterilized entire communities. Oh, yeah. Of black people. Yeah, yeah. So they wouldn't propagate. I bet you didn't know that. We don't talk about that shit. <laughs> no. So it's like, you know, I'm sitting over here and I'm, I'm going, ah, eh, Mao is bad, but it's like... History is in grayscale. Yeah. I say again, <laughs> it's not so simple. I mean, it's really never that simple. No. And no. what's funny is that knowing this kind of stuff can get you in trouble these days. Yeah. Yeah. Like if I say, you know, well, I mean, half the shit we've said on here is going to make people mad. I'm yeah, aware that's of true, that. That's true. Yeah. I'm very aware of that, painfully aware of that. And that yeah. makes me sad, but. You know, th th I'm not making this up. This is in the books. Yep. This is recorded. And it's even probably biased because history is recorded by the victors. That's true. Yeah. yeah. So it's like, for God's sake, we're probably not hearing the half of it as no. far as our own. I, well, we don't hear any of it here, but no. You know, like, America's perfect. Yeah, come on. It's a country. It does bad things. It just happens. Get over it. I, I remember, I mean, I grew up in America and basically just believing that America could do no wrong in history. Oh, yeah, same. And when I was, I think, in eighth grade, my family went to Europe and I couldn't believe like how much a lot of the Europeans were disgusted with Americans. I was like, you yeah. guys got it all wrong. We saved you twice. Like, yeah. And, yeah. and no. then I finally saw like, oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> We've yeah. done just as much bad as everybody else. Yeah, well, it's kind of... You have to accept that and, and deal with it. Yeah. You know? And, you know, I, I remember, uh, you know, when I was young and thought America was perfect, and the first time I heard about some of the shit that, that the government did, that the Americans did, it's like, I, when I went to the UK, they told me to say I was from Texas. <laughs> yeah. Don't say you're from America. Don't say you're from Chicago. Say you're from Texas. Huh. And the difference was amazing because I tried introducing myself. You know, yeah, I'm from... Illinois, Chicago. We're like, oh, 
Well, you say text, and they're like, "Glad to meet you." <laughs> yeah. You know. Yeah. Uh, but no, I mean, it's like we can't be, we cannot continue to be ignorant of these to these things. I mean, no. When I was taking a hist- my history class at my university, it was like, it was like my eyes were being opened. Suddenly, things made sense. I wasn't living in this dream anymore. Yeah. Um. And. It, it was so wonderful, but it was also so terrible. Because well, it's kind of like what we were saying earlier. Like, the fascists only see the wrong in the communists, and the communists only see the wrong in the fascists. And I see the same thing with Republicans and Democrats today. Oh, like, yeah. Hey, conservatives in this nation, yeah, we actually did commit atrocities. Yeah. Like, this, this nation, whether you like it or not, was founded on enslaving black people and killing Native Americans. Yeah. And there it is. And for liberals, most of these atrocities were carried out by the government. So it's yeah. just like, and if you're a moderate, well, fuck you for not being a patriot. Yeah. Or, or even for being a moderate, like... Uh, uh, that was a joke, but yes. <laughs> we were making fun of moderates earlier. No, I know. We got it. Um, I was going to say, like... Yeah, moderates get kicked around a lot. <laughs> yeah. yeah, moderates really get kicked around a lot, and they're they're constantly forced to try to like accept a far right ideology or a far left ideology. Right. And yeah. if they don't, they get bullied. Yeah, like for real, that happens. And I mean, it's like I consider myself a moderate. Lots of people consider themselves moderates and sure. aren't. And yeah. aren't. Um, to be fair, I would say I'm moderate leaning conservative. Sure. By today's standards. Yeah. Yeah, because like I used to call myself a liberal, and then I, they were like, now nah, you're not a liberal because you're not thinking this. I'm like, what? <laughs> okay. Yeah. Like, yeah. I guess I'm a conservative now. Give me a gun. <laughs> <laughs> you did live in Texas for I a while. I did live in Texas. Yeah. What's funny is Texas turned me more liberal than Chicago <laughs> did. I think it's because I don't like it when people pick on me. Yeah. You know, like, it, yeah. you know, I, like, uh, you know calling me an, an idiot for holding a certain political belief or something like that instead of talking with me. Exactly. Um, yes. It's like, God damn it. Can we have a dialogue, please? Like, yeah. please, can we well, have a dialogue? And, and here's the interesting thing, is with Mao, and it's the same thing with Hitler, is yep. as soon as you start attacking someone for what they believe in, instead of talking to them, you've gone a step too far. And you can't stop. No, You go exactly. all the way to hell. I mean, yeah. you, you go all the way to, you know... Th- 40 million deaths at least. Yeah, exactly. Um, it's like... And it's... Yeah. I'm just gonna say it. <laughs> I've seen this on both sides in America recently where we're so eager to attack the other side for whatever stupid reason yeah. that we've forgotten that we're both Americans. Like, yeah. we need to talk to the other side and maybe we'll realize that we have more in common and maybe some of their ideas are good. Well, it's like... It's like some of those old writers said, like Orwell in, in particular, he had a lot to say on on social matters and he was just like the left and the right need each other yeah because they create the middle yeah uh they they the extremes create this this little diamond in the middle hmm. that keeps everything in balance sure and the moment those two aren't working together it's like a it's like a a, a guy and a, or a husband and wife who won't talk to each other it mm. just gets worse yeah it just gets worse and it devolves into chaos and eventually the, i mean you know it's quiet at first and that's how you know Right. Yeah. And then it explodes out of nowhere, and everyone gets hurt. Mm. That's what it's like. But anyway, so like <laughs> we take a stand against extremism. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And we're pro uh, pro free speech because that's our livelihood. Anyway, <laughs> yeah. that's actually what we're doing right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we can only make this podcast because of free speech. Brought to you by the First Amendment. Love it or leave it. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, damn. <laughs> oh, damn. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, should we just... We need to wrap this up. Okay, yeah. But We're I, moving I, on two hours here. I, I just want to say, I believe in free speech and free vape. 
Okay, Mao was onto something. And it's just, you intellectual vaping son of a bitch need to be buried alive. I'm an intellectual? No, that was a slip of the tongue. Uh, anyway. Freudian slipped. All right. Let's let's just end this. Let's just head to the surface. No, uh, we have to do Anton Face End and Death. Oh my god, really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we haven't finished with him. So back to Anton LaVey. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm yeah. embarrassed. It's all right. It's all right. Uh, so he's still doing the whole Church of Satan thing. Of course. Uh, he writes a lot and teaches a lot. Then in 1984, his companion Diane Hagarty filed a restraining order against him and left him. Oh. Uh, Anton then found a third companion named Blanche Barton, and she gave birth to a son in 1993. Okay. And the boy was named Satan Xerxes Canarchy LaVey, which is the very satanic name. That is the worst name. Well, he's still alive. He's still alive. Really? So we're going to be... Well, he's born a year before you... Oh, shit, you're right. No. So his name is Satan? I guess so. Did he keep it? I don't know. I didn't look it up. I dig Xerxes, but I feel like Satan would probably get you laughed out of job interviews. That's true. <laughs> they would think you were making it up. Yeah. I don't know. I have. He has my sympathy. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so- It's hard enough be- <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> I know what you're gonna- Never mind. So, Bart- Barton succeeded LaVey as the head of the church after his death, but she stepped down eventually and handed the role over to the current leader, who is named Peter Gilmore. Okay. Anyway, Anton LaVey died in late October 1997 from pulmonary edema, uh, which I don't know what it is. Doesn't sound great. Nope. So a secret satanic funeral was held and Anton was cremated. And as far as his legacy goes, the modern Church of Satan is still alive, and uh, there are agreements on just how big the church actually is. There are agreements? Disagreements. Disagreements. So it's, nobody really knows We've been talking for two Sorry, fucking hours. It's my, my, my problem. Sorry. Disagreements. Uh, again, if you want to know more about what the beliefs of this church are, just read them. And I wrote talk, but we already talked enough. <laughs> so, anyway... So, there are quite a few disagreements about Anton's life. Some claim he did all the things he said he did, while others say he did not. Uh, sounds like e. L. Ron Hubbard. Yup. Uh, and in fact, it looks like even the Church of Satan disagrees. Oh! I got lots of my information from churchofsatan.com, which seems to take uh, at least most of Anton's word as fact. But I also got some of my info from churchofsatan.org, <laughs> which includes an entire page on Anton's lies. Okay. Uh, some of which I will read now, very quickly. Uh, but remember, I'm not taking stance, just reading what's on this website. Okay. So, churchofsatan.org says that uh, Anton was never a lion tamer in the circus, like he said he was. Okay. They also say he lied about sleeping with Marilyn Monroe. Okay. They also say he lied about being a police photographer for the, for, for the San Francisco Police Department. Mm. Also, he lied about studying criminology at the San Francisco, San Francisco City College. Uh, the site also says that although the church once claimed it had more than hundreds of thousands of members, okay. it never had more than 300. <laughs> uh, the website also says that Anton lied about being a multimillionaire and in reality actually had to file for bankruptcy. Whoa. Also, Anton may have regularly beaten his wife and forced young female followers to sleep with him. Oh. Even girls who were under age. Oh. Uh, I, I'm just, I'm not taking a side. Okay. Also, Anton may have used an electric cattle prod to torture his pet lion. Oh. And there's a lot more crap on this guy, uh, and I'm not taking a stance, uh, but... I, I, I don't know. Anyway, some of his books have important and helpful things. Some of them may not. Decide for yourself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's all very interesting. Yeah, we, we cover a lot of important topics today. Yeah, and I'm exhausted. You are. <sighs> Shall we head to the surface? 
Let's do it. All right. Ah. <laughs> rest of the day. Uh, I don't know. Okay. I'm gonna... You, you know ice cream trucks? Yeah. I'm gonna start one that just sells pineapples. Oh. How about one that sells mangoes? Yeah. Take yeah. off. Wax mangoes uh, that everyone can worship. Yeah. Anyway, what are you gonna do? Take a nap? Sleep. <laughs> <laughs> Alright. I wore myself out. It's a lot of work. Yeah. Right for this podcast. Yeah. Mm. No. Not writing. We don't write. No. no. <laughs> the gods give it to us. Well, I think it's time to bring the show to an end for today. Feel free to send all your hate mail to wetalkaboutdeadpeoplepodcast.gmail.com or tweet at us at WTADPpodcast. Uh, we will read all of it, all your tweets, and not along. If you hate us, you're probably right. If you like us, though, please consider funding the show by becoming a patron on patreon.com. 500 bucks would be nice, but even as little as a dollar, as much as it costs to buy James an ice cream sandwich, Hooray! helps tremendously. Our cover art was created by the extremely gifted Ian Patterson of Ian Patterson Illustration. You can view more of his phenomenal work at www.ipattersonillustration.com. With all that being said, we'll close out and let the sounds of Hocus Pocus the Miracle Squirrel play you out. Time. Let's go get food. Sonic.